whether it's a ill omen or not, but we are recording episode 13 on April Fool's Day. That can surely not bode well. This is going to get, like, lost in, like, a... Like, it's going to get sucked up by the universe because of the two things happening at the same time. It's, like, too much bad luck at once. Yeah. I feel like we should continue our conversation that we were having. I, what conversation was that? About nothing that happens before the podcast is real. Food rules. This is the only time that we ever speak ever. When I first met Ryan, and the first time I ever had cereal at his house, I was like, "Can I have the sugar?" And you were so. And I said, why? You were why like, would you like the sugar? I was like, you don't Explain put sugar yourself. on your cereal? And you were like, no, because I'm not a five-year-old. <laughs> and I was like, what? What? Sounds fair to me. So you can't continue to have nice things because you're no longer a child? I just think sugar on your cereal is so... Like, just eat your cornflakes and get on with the day. That may, That's not a reason. That's not that's a what, That answer. should be the slogan on the cornflake box. <laughs> Prepare for your boring-ass day with our boring-ass cereal. Big yawn. No, but these stupid rules, like, I'm an adult, so I don't eat this anymore. I'm not really saying that. I I just think sugar on cereal is so, like, sickly, and it's, like, too sweet for me. But So, okay, that, just why can't sugar. you just say that then? Like, why I do you have eat to... a spoonful of sugar by itself. Why do you have to link it to being a child? Why can't you just say, I don't have cereal on my sh- I sugar on my cereal because it's too sweet? I was being a little bit tongue-in-cheek, a little You're bit facetious. a poo face. Sure. Or poop, as you like me to say. Poo is too much, but poop is cute. Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't right. understand your rules. These rules you have for life. These rules. Where did you get them from? The gigantic rule book of Ryan. Did everyone get a rule book except me? Yeah, you're the only one who didn't get one. That sucks. You didn't sign up for our monthly delivery service. Yeah. Every month, a new book of fascinating factoids from my publishing house. You've got it in a completely different direction. Yeah, that tends to happen. It was, no, there's a rule book for life and you're just focused on you having your own book. You didn't make the rule book for life. But I have a lot of rules that I need people around me to abide <laughs> so that i don't shudder in a corner yeah that's funny <laughs> try not to be judgy though it's not like if someone was putting sugar on their cereal next to me and i didn't know them i'd be like hey what the hell do you think you're doing that's not what adults do you would roll your eyes i there. would just kind of snort or like in derision yeah and they'd be like excuse me and i'd be like no excuse you aren't you an adult Why does it have to be a he, huh? Look, some you have to ce- gender it, don't some you? Some cereal just should I be can't, a post-gender society. I can't eat the cereal if there's no sugar. And you can say the cereal's already sweet, but like, who, I can like, say that, yeah, because it is. Yes, but I can't eat it without additional sugar. If you look at the ingredients on most cereals, it'll be like grains, sugar, syrup. Glucose, yeah, but lots of things have salt sugar in them, substitute. and you still add salt. It's just like five different types of sweetener. Yeah. Salt's different, though, because it's savoury. 
What does that got to do with anything? I feel like there are levels of savory, whereas sweet is just a kind of monolithic flavor. No, when because... something sweet, something sweet. Whereas something can be a little bit savory. No, I disagree because I was just thinking about this, like Frosted Flakes, like Frosties or whatever. How dare you mention the brand name? Yeah, they are they like paid us for glazed in sugar. That's like a different type of sweet. It's so like I wouldn't put sugar on Frosties the because they're already glazed. But people do. That's my point. Yeah. If I saw that, I would kind of want to shake my head a little I'm bit. I'm not really a fan of Weetabix. However, I occasionally like Weetabix and I cover each one in sugar completely and then I flip All them over. All sides? Yeah, and then I flip them over and then I cover the other side. This is one of the most preposterous things I've ever That's heard. That's also what I do with pancakes. I cover the pancake in sugar, flip it over and then cover the other side in sugar. That's even worse because a pancake is so thin and has so little substance that at that point your meal is like sugar. 70% yeah. pure unrefined like sugar grains. <laughs> And then you put lemon on and No, you don't syrup, put lemon on because syrup. lemon is sour, so it takes away the sweet. I think that's why people like to put lemon juice on pancakes. Yeah, possibly. I'm not a big fan of pancake day. Pancakes are always so disappointing. Pancakes. When I say pancakes, though, I want people to know that really what I mean is crepes. Because the type of pancakes I like are the really, really thin ones. And those are the types of pancakes that are kind yeah, of popular here. Yeah, you're not talking here. about like, like those thick. Whenever you see like an American sitcom and they've got like a plate full of like pancakes a stack for of breakfast, pancakes, yeah, and they yeah. look like flapjacks. They're like a centimeter thick or something. Yeah. Whereas crepes are like one millimeter thick. They're they're very thin. Um, it's almost like you know the edible paper. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that. What is that? What I is don't that for? Know. Well, they have it on, like, you have, like, little fairy cakes with, like, almost, like, I guess you call them, like, stickers, but it's just edible paper and you can eat it. I do vaguely recall that. Or it could be, like, if you're a spy, you send your handler your latest batch of information, but it's written on edible paper so they can eat it after reading. That's clever. (laughs) <laughs> it, it's easy way I was easy, not expecting that way response. easier to get rid of than like they send you something digital and then you have to get rid of the device you have to destroy the device to get rid of it yeah like the edible paper is way better and to make it doubly secure you could write with invisible ink on how, the edible paper how are they going to see the ink however you reveal invisible ink hold it up to a black light or yeah. hold it up no to but a, then they have to find somewhere with a black light that's true. I think there's actually, to bring us back, I think there's actually a way to make invisible ink from lemon juice. I vaguely recall reading that like this sounds a long time ago. And then it could be completely edible. Although I guess if you eat, <laughs> if you wrote with actual ink on edible paper, consuming that much yeah. ink surely wouldn't be hazardous. But you it? could add it with like, you could like almost like a quill. But, like, with food colouring instead of ink, you could dip the quill into the food colouring and then write with the food colouring. So you can mix, like, lemon juice with black food colouring and make edible ink. Yeah. Why has nobody done this? I'm sure they have. I feel like we've just... We don't know. We're not spies. 
That's true. We don't know the kind of trickery. I'm guessing they don't use these kind of crappy yeah, no, old school spy they tricks use destructible... anymore. Everything is destructible. No, by the way. like they use those like self-destructing digital messages, yeah. like in Mission Impossible. Do you think they really do that? I imagine it doesn't literally explode in your hands. <laughs> That's perhaps no, but the message expires. What if some kid finds the little video player before? What what is his name in that film? Ethan Hawke. What if some That's an kid actor actor's name? Ethan. Oh yeah, his Ethan name's Ethan Rain? something. Ethan Rain. Ethan Rain. I don't know. That sounds like a cool name. I guess his name's Ethan something. I want to say. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to turn out to be completely wrong. I don't know. I think I've watched like the first one, and then that one where they have though. like face transplants. Not face. Face transplants. transplants. You don't they... face off with Nicolas Cage. No, I'm talking about face. Off. I thought you were going to do I it, but you didn't but do I, it. I let you do an impression of me doing an impression of Nicolas Cage <laughs> I really in that film. you changed my voice at all, though. No, isn't Philip um, Seymour, Seymour Hoffman, Hoffman in, in it and they switch faces? They have, like, a mask and they switch faces. I saw that He's one, the bad guy in one or the a bit of that one with you. I don't recall. And then the only other one I've seen is the first one. I don't remember. Anyway, let's get back to what I was yeah, saying. Okay. My point is... When he goes into like a phone box or whatever and there's like a little screen that plays the message and then explodes, he knows to walk out of the phone box to not get hurt so by the, the explosion. the phone box explodes? No, just the little video player. But doesn't it explode the phone box? Or is it just a tiny explosion? I don't... This is just a hypothetical. Oh, okay. My point is, what if some kid goes into the phone box? Yeah, that's not And good. doesn't know to walk away when the screen explodes yeah. and gets horrible third degree burns all over his face and arms i thought that the message just expired like this message will self-destruct like i thought it was just like the message so you've never seen the mission impossible films i don't remember look because that's like one of the most iconic parts of mission impossible one when it first came to tv and there is one of those devices in 25 years ago 25 years is that true no it's more like 20 but that's a long time that is a long time and if you've only seen something once you don't Isn't it weird when maybe I'm the only person who does this, but when someone mentions something from the '90s or from like say like the early 2000s, my mind is always like, "Oh yeah, that was only like five, ten years ago." Yeah, and then I think, "No wait, 1999 was 18 years ago." I think we've talked and about I this before. Want to crawl into a corner and hug my yeah. knees and sob? Yeah, because I have like this way of measuring things, like. I was a certain age or I was in school or something and that seems like it was only five years ago or like ten years ago. And then you realise it was twenty years ago and, and you just get everything suicidally depressed. Yeah. We should say that we just had our birthdays. Enjoyed our double birthday. Yeah, we have we're birthday buddies. Our birthdays are a day apart. Well, the day after each other. And yeah. you are someone who really likes to yeah. enjoy their birthday, quote-unquote. You like to make a day out of it well, and make I it a special Well, I want to be occasion. celebrated every day. And Alas. that's not really a normal thing that people do Unless in you're society. A queen. Yeah. Or a deity. So when the day comes around that it is all about me, I fully embrace that. And... I spent a lot of time in my I spent a lot of time in my family usually, but everyone's like scattered now. So I spent a lot of time with my mum, 
And she knows that, so she also fully embraces that, like, the day's all about you, like, you can have whatever you want. You're the little birthday princess. Exactly. You wear a little tiara made out of edible paper. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing it back. Whereas you don't care, like, at all, I feel. It's even more than that. I kind of dislike birthdays. Is that because you're aging? Yeah. See, I can't relate. Birthdays are kind of somber for me because it's like yeah. one step closer to the grave and here's yet another milestone that proves that. I'm so... What is the word? I don't want to say n- narcissistic. <laughs> because that would be kind of like not good for my look. Yeah. But like, is there like a word but, that means kind of self-absorbed but yeah, doesn't have any negative connotations? Because yeah, that's the one I want. <laughs> I love myself so much that... <laughs> yeah, this doesn't mean narcissistic <laughs> whatsoever. That any kind of negativity detaches itself because I love myself so much that I want to be celebrated. So I can't... I don't think, oh, but you're celebrating the fact that you're a year older and a year closer to death, which I'm terrified of. But no, my brain detaches from that because I love myself so much and I want to be celebrated and I want birthday cake and I want people to sing and I want everyone to look at me and be like, wow, she's amazing. That's... But you didn't get birthday cake this year. This is the first year I've never had an actual birthday cake. infinitely disappointed. Yeah. It just didn't work out. Like, there was, you know... It just didn't work out for several reasons. Yeah, I had a piece of cake at a coffee shop, but I didn't have like, which is strange because then the next day you had a birthday cake and you never have birthday cake. I don't like birthday cake. Yeah, but your mom surprised you with a cake. Which was weird because she hasn't given me a cake in like 15 years. And you might be thinking, why didn't I get you a cake? Like people listening, but you, I know you don't care for that. You're not, like you've, it's okay if I just sing a little happy birthday to you on my own, but if I make a big deal and there's people and I get a cake, you're not into it. So I don't. I was so confused as well because my mum came over um, and she gave me all the birthday cards from family members and Mm. family friends and whatnot. And you asked me to come into the bedroom to open them, which I thought was weird. But I went in and I was opening them and I was thinking, why has she brought me in here? And then you led me back in. Yeah. And my mom was holding a cake with <laughs> candles lit, and I was just yeah. aghast at the deception. I How dare you? I was tricked. I can't tricked. believe you didn't guess. Like, for every 10 seconds we were in the bedroom, he was looking at me going, why are we in here? Why am I open? He was, like, whispering it to me. Why are we opening them in here? Like, I can't because, believe... Because, like I said, I haven't yeah, had a birthday cake presented true. to me for a decade or so. Whereas if it was my birthday and someone took me out of the room, You'd I'd know instantly. instantly know that it was because they were doing You'd something. You'd be like, yeah, you want me to go into the bedroom, do you? Yeah. Should we just go into the bedroom for a second? Re- just so something can happen <laughs> while I'm not here. Really enjoying your birthday, like the way I enjoy my birthday, is also, it's a dangerous game because... How so? You can be so easily disappointed because... I love my birthday so much and I want everyone else around me to celebrate me to their the very like extreme that like if they don't it's disappointing. If someone forgets it's my birthday, I will cry. <laughs> so do you resent that person? Do you see it as a personal slight? Yeah. 
I don't want to. And I know logically that, like, it doesn't mean they like me any less. But if someone forgets, I will be upset. And it will be, like, for that moment, it's like the end of the world. I'm so... God, I sound like an asshole. No. (laughs) It's your birthday. Yeah. I am really, really bad at remembering birthdays and how old people are. Like, my mom and my dad's birthday, I occasionally forget the date and I have to be reminded (laughs) by my phone. Like, I have to put all the birthdays in my phone's calendar so it will give me an alert and basically give me the kick in the ass to go and make a birthday card or buy a present or something. Sorry, I don't know why I keep you on him. Yeah, see, I can't relate to that purely because growing up, birthdays were important. Maybe not as important to other people as they were to me, but um, almost equally as important, I feel. Like, we celebrated everyone's birthday. There were always loads of cards. There were presents. Even when, like, we couldn't afford things, we would try and make something. There would always be a cake. My mum, she actually didn't show me. I know this sounds silly, but my mum puts up banners and balloons for my birthday, and I don't live there. When we were in the coffee shop having the piece of cake... She was like, oh, I forgot to tell you, I put up banners. And I'm like, I'm not there. I'm Did you not... go back to her house? No, we didn't go. So she just put up banners. She just put up banners, yeah. That's how much we celebrate birthdays. It's kind so, of a poignant metaphor. Yeah, so it's very difficult to forget a birthday. Um, another thing about it is as well, being someone that look, it took me a while to accept that other people don't like their birthdays as much as me like such as yours truly like when i first met you i was a little bit like no but you've got to do something for real though like what do you want to do for yeah. your birthday and i'd be like get pizza and watch netflix yeah. on the sofa and a part of me a part of me before i accepted it was a little bit like no you're just being one of those people who says they don't want to be celebrated when they really do you know when people are like oh no don't have to get me a present don't bother but it's like a false thing They're to secretly say. Hoping for a yeah, surprise party. It took me a while to accept that some people aren't doing that, and that actually they really don't want to be. <clears throat> it's more like because you don't want to be the center of attention. Yeah, that's probably it for me. Yeah, like because at least with you, you still accept like gifts and things. Of course, I wouldn't be so churlish to say, Ugh. how dare you have gotten me a gift. You know I don't celebrate my birthday. Take it back, take it back. I have to mention this, and I've probably mentioned this before. I am a huge, huge, huge Twilight fan. Suck it, people who hate it. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> You're so defensive and, that you but, had to issue that preemptive disclaimer. But you know what? Bella is an annoying little cunt sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you throw that word around, I would say, too liberally. <laughs> She hates her birthday and, like, she celebrates, like, more than one birthday in the whole of the saga. And so it's very, very annoying to read how she's, like, almost mad at people for celebrating her. And I'm like, shut the fuck up and get the fuck out because you're being stupid. But isn't that her character? She's moody and... It's too much. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Like, at least you, like aren't like no don't get me a gift like if you get me a gift i'll be upset like that's too far of course like and that's i that's like histrionics <clears throat> for the sake of histrionics and i obviously i obviously agree that people shouldn't have to do things they don't want to do but i just don't 
thinking, like, I've never, ever met anyone. That also doesn't mean that they don't exist. But I've never, ever, ever met anyone who truly didn't want, like, they were like, don't get me a gift. If you get me a gift, I'll be mad at you. And they meant it. And, yeah, and I don't think that's a real thing. So reading that in the book, it was like, it's clear that, like, this is something that's not true to me. And it's, some weird it's a stupid character thing to have. Artistic like, conceit. You can express that she's shy, doesn't want to be the centre of attention, etc., etc., doesn't care too much for gifts without having her being actively mad that she receives gifts. Isn't she young in the books, though? Yeah, which makes it even more stupid because I feel like that's something you develop as you get older. If that was a true thing. No, but my point is moody teenagers are kind of down on everything, just as a rule. Yeah, but you say that, but from the very beginning of the books, she's like, everyone always tells me I'm like a 30-year-old. Like, I'm very wise and, like, not like a child. And so to have that and then be like, but actually I'm a moody teenager who doesn't want to be the centre of attention. Maybe she's just a complicated person, okay? No. Maybe it's an intricate and contradictory characterization. Sure. Yeah, you sounded by that. I I fear that you're about to. You know, we're talking about Twilight. You're about to ambush me with some new detail that will make me doubt myself. It just really bugs me. It's like a stupid thing. I'm sure there is someone listening right now going, "No, I hate getting gifts." Maybe it's that like I hate getting bad gifts because that puts you in the awkward position of being like, "Thanks so Uh... much for these novelty socks." Do you know what I wish I could say? Like, obviously, you can say it to some people. Like, me and my mom have a type of relationship where, like, if she buys me something and I'm like that, I'm not into that type of thing anymore. I won't tell her in that moment because it's not the right moment. But a couple of weeks later, or even like maybe when my birthday comes around next time and it's like a month away from my birthday, I'll say to my mom, "I'm not into that type of thing anymore." So I'd appreciate if you didn't get me anything such and such related. I can say that, but lots of people don't have that type of relationship because, I don't know, they just don't for whatever reason, and like, or they think saying it would make them seem ungrateful. But it's worse to buy someone a gift where there's like not much thought gone into it because you don't know that person, you don't take any extra effort to get to know what the person likes but you still buy them a gift every year you don't know whether they like it and you don't want to accept that they don't like it because they need to just be grateful that's worse like to give a bad gift and not care and then to have the bad gift and not say anything like I think it's totally okay to be like no I'm not into that anymore um it's like getting something that I feel like females always get is like some kind of like bathroom essentials or like beauty essentials. Bath yeah, or like perfume or... Yeah. And for someone who's very picky and also has like sensitive skin, that these things will never go right for me. They will never be things that I will want or use. And yet they're the kind of like go That's like gift. the standard yeah. default thing to get a woman. That's kind of interesting. My approach is sometimes just to say get me a gift voucher for amazon yeah. or a bookstore or something but some people don't like that some people take offense at that yeah, because it's strange. too unpersonal it's too kind of catch-all but from my perspective like you said if you get a bad gift i also hate people wasting money for no reason yes that's and that's like what one of my i see it as 
And so if I get a gift, especially if it's a gift that I know costs more than a small amount of money, and I know it's not something that I ever want or like or will use, I do kind of feel like I wish you had just gotten me a gift voucher or maybe even just money, just put some money in a birthday card or whatever. And then I could have bought exactly what I wanted. And then in the future, I could have looked back and said, oh, so-and-so got me this gift, even though I brought it with the money that they gave me. It's still kind of connected to that person. It's as if, even though it had to go through this proxy system, it's as if they gave it me themselves. And so I can look back and say, they got me a good gift that I like and I still use and I enjoy Mm. and I treasure. Yeah, I agree. I think as well, a lot of people worry about, um, you know, some people who can't afford very much. So they'll get something that only costs a couple of pounds. Um, whereas like that looks better than just giving two pound, you know what I mean? Right, like, okay. cause you can buy nice, cute little things that are like less than five pound, but a lot of people would then w- would worry about giving five pound because it seems so little. And so that's why I think a lot of times you do get yeah. like a candle or, that's an interesting you know, counterpoint, some kind of, yeah. Um, but I wish people weren't like that because actually, it's like I say to my mom when it's Christmas, stop with this, the novelty stocking fillers <laughs> because that £7 you spent on like four different things. To just Socks, fill a the, calendar, I candles. could buy two books for that yeah. or I could buy like a new lipstick or something like or whatever it is that you're into. Um, so forget about what you worry about what it looks like and just think about all the things I will accumulate if I was actually given like those five pounds or whatever, like I will say as a kind of argument against my own argument, it is <laughs> so nice when someone gets you a really good present. Yeah. Completely of their own initiative, completely based on how well they know you. Even though I do have that stance of I'd rather get a gift voucher or money so I can choose the exact right thing myself. There is such a nice feeling when someone shows how Mm. much they know you and know what you like and they get you like just a really tuned in gift that they know that you're going to like that really represents the type of thing you're into. I agree. I do feel like often like with parents and stuff, it's very easy to just be like when you're younger, it's like you can fall into that. Well, I'll give you a list of things that I want and you can pick. That's a nice thing to do, but you're always going to know what you're going to get and you know that you chose it. And then obviously getting money is nice when you know you want to get certain things. But you're right, like obviously it is also nice to get like a personal, like you got me, we but we don't, we're not present people, well, I mean I'm a present person, but like we have fallen into this nice, comfortable kind of like, we don't really get each other gifts every time. I'd rather do time. things for you for your birthday rather than get you something. Yeah. Um. So we've only gotten each other gifts every now and then. We don't get each other gifts every time. Um, every birthday, yeah, every, every Valentine's, Christmas, every Valentine's, every, Christmas, every anniversary. Yeah. It's just now and then. And this year, we did get each other little surprises. And they each were very, oh, my God, you know me so well yeah. gifts. And I do think that's very, very nice and pleasant. And, like, that was actually the... But they were still, on each of our parts, inexpensive purchases. Yeah, they, they were, yeah. big, elaborate, expensive things. Yeah. 
it was relatively cheap things, but they showed the other person that, look, I've put thought into this. Mm. I thought about what you would like, what would show you that I know you. And I really tried to laser focus into that exact thing. And I think that is so much better than just buying an expensive gift because you think that will make up the Mm. gap. Sure, we spoke so much about this, but... You do love birthdays. I do love birthdays. And it was... When you sent me the picture of that tiny little slice of... It wasn't even a slice. Tiny little rectangle of cake that you had in the coffee shop with two little sad candles on top of it. (laughs) Knowing how much you like cake, how much you like birthday cake, how much you like that ritual, I saw that and just felt so bad. Yeah. Obviously, it was nice. I was with my mom and we had a nice time. And then we topped it off with like a little slice of cake from the coffee shop. And it was nice. It but was more the gesture yeah, than the actual Yeah, but obviously itself. a part of me was like, no, I want... Like, she even... She bought candles. She was like, quick, I've got to light the thing before anyone sees me in case they tell me off, like... Because we were inside the coffee shop. And then she sung quietly, happy birthday to me. And it was very nice. It was very, like, special. But at the same time, a little part of me missed that, like... Real everybody singing and then there's like experience. this massive cake oh my god i've only ever had like you know like when you get like a special birthday cake like you go to like a birthday cake place and you get one made sure. like you a have like made yeah you get like your name or something on yeah. it that uh, that's happened once when i turned 21 and it was massive and it lasted for days and and that was a big deal because it showed that she knew you and your yeah, yeah, yeah. interests. Now, I'm, I'm very picky as well, which is another reason why I didn't get a cake this year. Because I was very specific. First, I said to my mom, I do sound like a high maintenance asshole, I've got to say. But I don't care. Um, hopefully you can see it for what it is. <laughs> um, but I had originally said to my mom like two months ago, oh... I think it would be really cool if you baked me this cake that I used to have. Like, at when I was at school, they used to have this cake. And I was like, I found the recipe. And But then as it got close to my birthday, I actually changed my mind. Partly because I'd had a similar cake recently that I'd found in the store. And so I was like, oh, there's this cake that I found. It's kind of rare. Like, you can get it from one place. And I really, really want it. She wasn't able to get it, and that was why I didn't have a cake. So if I was more kind of like, if I wasn't as picky and I could have almost any cake, it would have been way easier to get me a cake. Um, So it is kind of partly my fault why I didn't get it. Well, you want what you want. Yeah. I mean, that's fair enough. But it also is a bit weird being like, I want this cake and I want to do this. If you think it's weird, why did you do it? No, I mean, it's not weird. It's like... I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be like that. No, you wanted that specific cake. You thought it looked appetizing. Yeah. You thought it looked like the type of cake you enjoy. I'm so determined to get that cake now. You're going to get it like feel six free, months after your birthday, put some candles on it. Feel free to sing, it, sing to me when I get it. We can celebrate your half birthday. Yeah. I am going to get it one day. I imagine you will do. It's not a specialty cake. It's not expensive. But we you can, can only get it. get it from this one place. Yeah, we will get it eventually. And I seem to never have it when I want it. It's all a conspiracy yeah. to disappoint you. 
to ensure that the cake never falls into your I grasp. Like, I feel like this segment has sounded so it made me sound so bad. No, you always say this when you talk about certain things. Yeah. You wanted a specific cake on your birthday. That's not exactly making you into pole pot. Yeah. Great. Little <laughs> comparison. Well, it's true. <laughs> he starved millions of people to death. Yeah. And you just want a specific birthday cake. But back so take to... heart. <laughs> back to my point when I was saying how it was hard to accept that other people don't want to celebrate the way I celebrate. I did accept that eventually. Like, I know that you're very low-key on your birthday. I did a little... I sang a little song to you. I gave you presents. And then, like... That, that was, was it, it, really. I mean, this year we didn't even, like, order in any food. I made you what you wanted, and then we watched, like, a bunch of stuff. And that's how you, like, want to celebrate. And that's, like, I... Because I think before... I think before that, I didn't realise that, no, I want to celebrate their birthday because I love birthdays. You were making what, it about you. Yeah, and what I need to accept is that that person doesn't want that. And if that was me, I would want to celebrate how I wanted to celebrate. So now that I have, like, accepted that, like, not ever. My mum said something. You know how I was saying how when you want to celebrate your birthday, like, that much, it's very easy to be disappointed. There was a lot of changes in, like, my mum's life recently. And so it's just her, like, it was just her now living in that house. And so she was like, that's why I went to Venice for my birthday, because I didn't want to be disappointed. She wanted a change of scenery and a special event to market yeah because she was also like since everything's so different now i didn't want to be disappointed so i just went away i think part of it for me is also preemptively removing the capacity for disappointment because if you put all your hopes into the idea of this day being this grand spectacle of celebration about you in particular and you want this to happen and you want that to happen and you hope you get this gift and you hope you get that gift, I think to a certain extent you fabricate this really fantastical celebration in your mind and it's never going to live up to that mm. because people can't read your thoughts and tailor it exactly to what you're expecting. Yeah. And so... I think part of it for me is just I'd rather not put people in that awkward situation of try and give me something that I dearly want, but that you have no idea of the specifics of. But you're also not the type of person to be like, I want to do this on my birthday, let's do it. You would almost like just let people do what they want to do. And if it ends up being they celebrate you, then they celebrate you. Whereas the type of person that I am, like, up until a few years ago, I always actually did something on my birthday. Like, I used to love bowling, and so we would go bowling a lot, or the cinema, low-key things, but at the same time still actually actively kind Going of somewhere, doing, doing something. something yeah. yeah, Like, one time I went to London for my birthday. Um, obviously, when we didn't live there. And, sure, um, wouldn't make much sense yeah. to go to the place you live. So I always tried to actually kind of like have the whole day from start to finish kind of like be filled with something. And so I, I've kind of like grown out of that a little bit. Like I don't, maybe it's also because I'm with you and I feel like... Have I infected you with my non-birthday enthusiasm? Well, I feel like because of the way we kind of live and the way we are with each other, every day has that kind of moment where something nice is happening together or something fun yeah and so 
it is harder to kind of you would have to do something really grand in order to step like have the two like be different from each other because every day we do have that kind of like we always eat together we always like watch our favorite shows or at a movie and you know so it, what are you really going to do? Yeah, basically? so you'd basically do the same thing because, so maybe it's because of that, I don't know. I think also, I can just imagine all the scenarios where, say in a couple, one of them gets like tickets to Paris or something and goes through all this expenditure and all this effort to set up this huge like event type thing where... We're going to go here and we're going to do that and we're going to fly here and now I've got this arranged for you and I've got you this huge elaborate gift mm. where it's going to be massive and you're going to love it. And then you present it to the other person and they're like, ah, I've never really wanted to go to France and I don't want to ride on a boat and I don't yeah. like that type of jewellery. I feel like there's so much capacity for it to blow up in your face. And if that happened and you went to all that insane effort it must just be soul destroying but i feel like that's only going to happen if you're not in the type of relationship where you talk about things therefore it not being a very good relationship because you should be communicating the other person should know what you like they should know what type of things that you want like you also should have talked about at some point like naturally it will come up oh i really want to go to france one day or i'm scared of boats you know you know you should have gleaned those yeah, little details you know the, the things that they desire and you know the things that they're afraid of or that they don't want to do like i would never plan a trip for us to go to like spain we we never want to go anywhere like that because it's hot we don't enjoy hot places it's touristy beach holidays are not the types of holidays we enjoy it would be like another city somewhere like paris or like new york and you would plan the types of activities so the activities that we want to do is like going to galleries or like people watching we don't necessarily need to see the types of things that yeah. a lot of people need to see the typical sightseeing and so i feel like if you are going to plan like this whole surprise thing you should be completely sure that the other person is going to like it and if you're not then you probably shouldn't do it i get it but my point is even if you think you're sure you can never be a hundred percent certain and so there's always going to be that lingering doubt of i'm going to do all this i'm going to put myself out there on the ledge where I'm risking everything by making this grand gesture that says, this is how much I know you. And then the other person, even though there's only a 1% chance, could turn around and say, you've got every single thing wrong in this plan. Mm. And it shows how little you do know me. Let's break up. Like, I know that's just irrational catastrophizing, but I, if I was in that situation, I was trying to do that, there would always be that lingering skepticism about my own knowledge my own ability to craft something so minutely tailored for someone else Mm, i don't really agree because i feel like if you did know someone the way we were talking about then the only things that you might come up against are like i can't go that weekend because i had something planned that you didn't know about or I'd rather we not go in the summer or I'd rather we not go when it's going to be freezing. Like, it's going to be things like that. It's not going to be, I don't want to go to Paris. 
I don't like that necklace that you bought me, even though it's completely my style and I've been wanting it for a while. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's going to be things that you can get around. It's It would just be like timing or like, I don't really feel like doing that. But that's that's not really the same as like, that's not something I would enjoy. So. But on the other hand, say if you did get it completely wrong and say you did get me tickets to go to Spain or Portugal or some sunny Brit tourist destination that I would find hellacious. There would be a part of me that would almost want to keep my mouth zipped and just do it because I wouldn't want to put you through that embarrassment. And then that's like the worst case scenario where you've got it wrong and I have to spend my birthday doing something I absolutely loathe because I don't want to create waves in our relationship but again and i feel like i always fall back on this i'm very confident in the fact that i would know something whether it's what you like or i would know your reaction wasn't genuine yeah like i feel like you can't lie to me like completely you can maybe do a little white lies i take to off a other, mask i'm actually a yeah, different person but right you now you wouldn't be able to completely conceal the you. fact you wouldn't be able to completely conceal the fact that you didn't want to go. I would know. And then I, I'm the type of person, I don't keep my mouth shut. I would say to you, you don't want to go, do you? And then you'd go, no, I do. And then I'd say, no, I can tell you don't. And then you'd say, no, I really do, I promise. And then you tear and up then the I, tickets in my face. Yeah, and then I'd say, no, I know for a fact you're lying. Let's talk about this. I fucked up. Like, you know... I don't know, maybe I'm just too confident. Like, maybe it's almost arrogant. You do seem a little bit cocksure. Yeah, You're just well. bringing disaster well, down upon yourself. Well, when I bought you yourself. those few little gifts for your birthday, I knew for a fact you would like those things. The only part of me that was like, not even unsure, but the only part of me that was a little bit like, I hope you like them. And the only reason why I was saying I hope and not like I know is because even though I know you'd like them, because they were all related to something that was like your favorite thing. There's that part of me that's like, I don't need these things. That that was it. Well, you never need exactly. the gifts that someone gives you, and that's unless why, they're gifting you a heart transplant. Yeah, and that's why I didn't worry about it because I know that you liked them, and that's really all that matters. Because you don't say when you get a gift, I don't need this. Yeah. You know. And even if you don't like it that much, you can always put it. That would be my response. If so, when someone gets me something that I don't like, I always kind of put on the show of like smiling and like, oh, thank you so much. And then I just put it in a cupboard somewhere because I'm the type of person where I don't want to have that unnecessary, awkward confrontation of saying, why did you get me these novelty socks? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. whatever it is. I'm not going to like this. I'm not going to use this. I'd rather just let the moment pass and mm. jot down in my head that this person doesn't get me very good gifts. Yeah. The only people I'd say it to is like you and my mom and like my brother. I probably wouldn't say it to anyone else. I might not even say it to Steph and Steph's listening. Like <laughs> she, I don't So take she, that, Steph. Yeah, I don't think she would ever get me anything I didn't like though. She's pretty good at knowing the things that I would like. And if there was anything that she ever got me that I did couldn't didn't want to use for any reason, I think at some point after getting the gift, I would say to her like, "I don't really use this now. Like, do you want it?" Kind of thing. But there's you can't no... give the gift back to the person who gave it to you. you no, can't but let's use this as an example. If she gifted me a lipstick, but I didn't feel like it was my color, I'd say this is not really my color, but actually it's your color. 
you should just have it. Like, that's... Between best friends, that's, like, a normal thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing, man? I keep knocking down this bottle of water. (laughs) It will not stay on the couch. (sighs) (laughs) So you say all this, but right now Steph is listening, wrapping up two tickets to Spain. No And she has this great moment of pause and doubt. Yeah, she knows... She She sheds tears, they fall on the plane tickets, and she hands them to you, and you say, did you cry over these? She says, no, (laughs) no. I haven't even listened to episode 13. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you want to go to Spain or not, okay? (laughs) God, I really don't want to go to anywhere like that, ever. I feel bad if there's Spanish people listening. It's not because I dislike... Spanish culture or Spanish Spanish culture or Spanish people I just don't like hot weather that's really all it is I'm not a fan of hot weather and if I was going to go to Spain I wouldn't go to like a tourist you know a lot of people they just go to like resorts where everything is British and it's like why do you even go to Spain then like British pubs I would want to go to somewhere I want to go to actual Spain where there's Spanish culture Spanish people and like lots of nice things to see but then I also wouldn't go because it's hot. So it's like, if it, if it was like a not hot place, I'd go. Maybe go in the winter. It's still hot. How hot is it going to be in the middle of the winter? I think somewhere like that is still hot. It's like... I think you're thinking of Death Valley. <laughs> That's the type of place where it's always hot. But I, Well, I'm pretty sure Spain doesn't get snow. So, you know. <laughs> you said that so sure, but you have absolutely no data to back it up. I feel like I'm going to look it up now. I just... I'm pretty sure that it's hot all the time. I'm sure for people who've lived there all their life, they can tell the difference between yeah. seasons. But to me... We have a low bar for unbearably hot. Look, as soon as it gets like 13 degrees centigrade, I am hot. So and I'm talking about British 13 degrees centigrade. So imagine Spanish 13 degrees centigrade. Although it is very humid here and I don't know if it's humid there. And that can be like the... You know, that can make everything hotter, so... <clears throat> to be honest, if it's hot, it doesn't matter whether it's humid or yeah, it's a dry heat. it's just shit either, either way. Either way, it's uncomfortable yeah. and annoying. Yeah. We're so high maintenance. We're really not. <laughs> the thing is, we don't foist these requirements on other people. Yeah. We just don't go to Spain. We just don't do these things we don't want to do. We don't force other people to adhere to our requirements Mm. going back to the breakfast cereal thing i was joking (laughs) but i wouldn't actually say to someone don't do that around me like if you really (laughs) wanted to do it i just would try to avert my gaze from that travesty from that sacrilege it's made me think of how you hate when i um because i put sugar in my tea as well and you hate it when i put the wet spoon (sighs) in the sugar (laughs) and you leave little clumps of sugar that have Absorb the moisture and stuck together in little no, blocks. If there's ever a little block of sugar that's done that, I take it out and throw it out. I don't leave blocks of sugar so in there. So you take it away from its sugar brethren <laughs> and you segregate it into the, the don't dustbin. Don't make sugar into living a living thing. Hashtag all sugar lives matter. Sugar with a, like a little sugar sprinkle with a face. It'd be so small you couldn't see it. You'd have to put it under a microscope. But I'd know. To check its expression. I'd know that they all How do you feel about going in my tea, sugar? And then you put it under a super high-powered microscope. to me? You'd have to read its little sugar lips. Oh, my God. Oh, sugar lips. Imagine all the little sugar squeals. 
That's horrendous. As you put them in the boiling cauldron of tea. You're such a sadist. Sad sugar granules. Yeah. Yeah. We I, hardly I, knew ye. We literally. Ha- yeah. I that is something that annoys me, I will say. When I see you doing that, I do occasionally chide you. Yeah. In a good humoured way, <clears> not <throat> you're such a disgusting savage. If you used the sugar, I would stop doing it because I know how much that type of thing um is like not cool for you. Like but I said that in such a weird way. Um but you don't use the sugar for anything ever so you don't go near it so what about when i bake my pretty little cupcakes are you gonna make me some cakes i don't think so i don't think you'd like the type of cakes that i can bake i'd love to see you they'd be bake. pitch black covered what? in covered in cake what? no yeah so it's not that easy to just burn the cake because you have to you'd oh, I'd see it when it right like it rose it rised when it rose, when it rises, the cake also oh rises. Oh my god! Hemingway, bake me some cakes, bitch. I'm definitely not going to do it now. <laughs> make some icing. You're trying to make me into your little cake slave. How is that fine? I do like baking. Slash, I don't bake from scratch. I bake from like a cake mix, but I still enjoy. Is that really baking? Yes, though? because I still enjoy mixing it all together scuff. and then putting it in the oven and then having it be you know you like having made it yourself even though you didn't create it from scratch yeah because it's fresh and like hot hot. yeah yeah there's nothing like a a warm chocolate cake with like vanilla ice cream ice cold jesus hagen-dazs vanilla ice cream Mm, good god mm, mm. or walls ice cream i like walls ice cream sure free advertising for both brands to be sure why's that money and just the checks (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing like that, honestly. And the smell of cakes baking. See, that makes me think every so often I kind of romanticize the idea of having a bread maker and making all different types of bread myself. Mm. Because there's, like you said, there's nothing better than the smell of fresh cake. There's nothing better than the smell of freshly baked bread. Yeah. It's such a unique, heartening smell. Mm. It's just, it's pretty awesome. But at the same time, am I really going to go through all the hassle of making up the dough and adding in the (laughs) herbs and seeds or whatever it is? Herbs? What bread are you making? I'm making fancy artisanal bread. Mm. That's my right. Don't. As a citizen of Breadlandia. I want to live in Breadlandia. You can't. You just insulted the honour of Breadlandia, if anything. No. We hold herbs in high regard. I take it back. Give late. me the bread. We're expelling you with great prejudice. You're going to beat me with, like, baguettes. <laughs> Stiffened, <laughs> 10-day-old baguettes. Hey, they're quite hard, okay? Yeah. When they get stale, you could do some real damage. <laughs> Break it over someone's head like a bat. There's actually rumbled. quite a dark side to Breadlandia. We have yeah. jackbooted thugs patrolling the streets with stale baguettes. You keep prisoners and you feed them mouldy bread. Yep. This is taking a Prisoners of conscience who don't like our herb-based regime. Or prisoners who eat the bread while you're baking it. Yep. That's a cardinal sin. Yeah. That's a punishment. I worked at a chocolate factory once and I only worked there for like a day and a half and... 
one of that the sounds things, like the setup for a punchline, yeah. but it's actually not. One of the lines I was working on was to take like a line would come by with like chocolate Easter eggs on, and you'd have to take out the broken parts, and you put the broken parts in a bin, and then that I guess that it's like a not like a bin bin, but like a bin where that chocolate like a then, container. Yeah, that chocolate then I'm assuming gets recycled. mounted down and yeah, reused. Yeah. You'd hope so. And that the one of the first things they tell you is if you get caught eating any of the chocolate, like that's a no no. <laughs> that almost, seems like a fair rule. But almost everyone on the line, every now and then, would grab a piece and eat it. And I don't think I did it once, which is very surprising. You were Sammy. I was Good just shoes. scared that I was gonna, I was gonna be the one that got caught. But then I kind of Goody thought afterwards. I'm very confused about what I just said. <laughs> My brain had a complete shutdown for a second and I said Sammy Two Shoes. Did I say Sammy Good Shoes or Sammy, Sammy Two Shoes? I don't know. It's Sammy. I guess you're always Sammy Two Shoes because you've got two feet and you what need two shoes. What are you trying to shoes. say? Oh, Goody Two Shoes. I was trying to say Sammy Goody Two Shoes. <laughs> I'm really regretting having said it now. I think about, I thought about it later. I almost feel like them telling you not to eat the chocolate was was not real because they just had to say it. Yeah, because I, I feel like they knew everyone was eating the chocolate, and yet no one was getting like told off for it. Um, That's what you think. Every so often, yeah. they take an offender and push him into the boiling chocolate and melt vat. him into chocolate. Yep. God, I love melting. Silent green is people. What? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Super old movie reference. It's not even no that I deal. didn't get it. I didn't hear what you said. That's even worse. Yeah. Right into the Breadlandia lockup. Yeah. No, I'm like the queen of Breadlandia. <gasps> made of bread. I get cakes baked for me every day. There's no cake in Breadlandia. Hey, cakes fall into the bread realm. They clearly do not. Flour. So everything <laughs> made with flour is the same thing to you? No, but like, I feel like if there wasn't Breadlandia, it wouldn't just be cake. It would be like... You know, it would be, be like a, a bakery. Policy. It would be like a bakery where bread and cakes are made. Pastries. All baked products can live in peace and harmony. Pretty much, yeah. But then there's like a secret caste system where what is bread wrong is with at you? the top. What is wrong with you? And then cakes are kind of the underclass who do all the menial labour. That doesn't seem... I think you went I'd the other way round. I'd love to make round. a bread-based dystopia film. I feel like you went the other way round. Bread is, like, plain and cheap to make, whereas cakes are more, like, decadent and, like... Don't you know anything? Elaborate. <laughs> Difficult to make, sure. Like fancy cakes. Souffles. I, I spend quite a lot of time watching those videos on Instagram of, like, those one-minute videos that are, like, sped up of people, like, baking Making cakes stuff, yeah, or, like, yeah. desserts. I spent quite a lot of time watching those. <laughs> you think you could bake them from memory? No. So what's the point? I hate it when they don't put the recipe there because I always think to myself, even though I've never done it once, <laughs> I'm going to make this I'd at least point. like the option, yeah. random Instagram user. Yeah. Furnish me with your tutorials. I do enjoy those. You know what I was looking at the other day, which is just infinitely satisfying to watch? It was this Instagram that curated videos of calligraphy and people using old wax seals yes i watched those as well they're so satisfying to watch just the way that some people can use like a pen to make these insanely elaborate fancy 
letters or i do really like the wax seal one as well just like watching them pour it pour really the wax slowly, and it pours in a circle and then they press it like really slowly and it's like oh, they slowly press down the stump satisfying. into it why is things like that satisfying to know. us it's very strange it's very very strange i think to a certain extent there's a innate satisfaction from watching someone who's a master of their craft when you watch someone who has just insanely high levels of skill at something like calligraphy you're knowing you're watching the product of 10,000 hours of practice and I think there's something about that that makes it kind of glamorous Mm. and romantic I'm not sure I don't think it is that I don't really have a reason for that but I just yeah there are lots of types of another thing that's kind of like I guess it all falls into that like ASMR realm like something that really is like satisfying like they have that thing where it's like some kind of material you're doing a hand gesture like, that's very it's difficult like something to read that you can squeeze like play-doh or putty they have those as well and then the video will just be them like prodding it and like moving it and like i don't really i'm not into those ones but the calligraphy thing and the wax seal and the food videos and other things they do all kind of fall under that ASMR thing that's happening now that's, like, become... I know ASMR is not new, but, like, it's more mainstream. kind of makes your brain tingle with satisfaction when you watch those videos. It's interesting as well because calligraphy is such... And I don't use this in the derogatory sense that it's going to sound like, but in modern day, it's such a quote-unquote useless skill that there's almost something kind of decadent and indulgent about watching someone who has put in just a crazy amount of time to perfect all these techniques and to even invent some new forms for themselves it's so pretty yeah i like it it'd be so cool to get a full letter in that kind of really fancy calligraphy style you've know you know they've used like a quill type sealed with like an old Mm. wax seal Or like a signet ring or something like that. We should have our own wax seal. We should make like a stamp. So when I write to Steph, I can use it. She'll know it's you. Yeah. I think you have to use, you can't, I know they did just use candle wax, but it, You I now think, have to use bendy wax because yeah, it goes yeah, through yeah. the postal system. Yeah. yeah. I actually saw something about that. That's kind of interesting. But also I feel like. Is wax different now than it was years and years and years ago? Like, do they make it with something or do they add something into it so it's not? I think it used to be an animal product. Yeah, it was made out of like whale fucking blubber. Yeah. Because I feel like if you did just take one of the candles we've got and you made like a wax seal, as soon as it's completely hard, it's going to just crack. It's going to flake off. Yeah. Um, so maybe wax was made out of something different then. Maybe wax is made out of the same thing now, but like they add so many things to like it. Like additives yeah, to yeah, make yeah. it different colours and smells. No, because they had different colour candles then, didn't if they? If you use a scented candle as a wax seal, can you still smell it when you receive it like a week later? That's kind yeah. of an interesting idea. Scented candles annoy me so much because I feel like only some of them actually, like, it'll say, oh, scented candle, and it doesn't smell of anything. And then... Other ones smell so strong, it's candles nauseating. Candles are also 
can be ridiculously expensive like yankee candles and like higher end candles like that it's like no i'm not gonna pay 25 pounds for one for candle. one candle God's yeah God's sake it's like Doesn't a week of electricity is like... 25 pound or whatever i'm not gonna fucking yeah yeah i suppose that's part of it that thrill of spending so much money on something that's so pointless yeah. and so just a self-indulgent I don't get through that. That scares me. Even when I have money, I find like when I had like money, I was buying things with like birthday money and stuff that people had given me. After you loved that bank vault, yeah. yeah, sure. Even though I knew I had Five it, security guards died. <laughs> they had families. They had children. Stop. But I how guess we're I just going to skip over that. Aren't how we? can I go finish a story convenient. around here with you around? Honestly, I am. Um, even though I had, I knew I had money allocated to like buy nice birthday treats and stuff. I still found it, like, I'd see something I liked. I was like, yeah, I want that. But then a part of me was like, no, I I can't, I can't do it. Like, it's very difficult for me to part with money. (laughs) You're a Scrooge McDuck of yourself. Yeah, I'm cheap. I mean, I like to spend when I have money. It's not that. It's just, I want to know that the thing I'm buying is really worth it. It goes back to what I said earlier. I have that same instinct when I have a bit of money to my name where money is like enjoyable to have because it's potential. You could get all these different things that you could really, really like, or you could choose to go through with the purchase you want to make. And that particular thing you buy turns out to be disappointing and kind of crappy. Yeah. And so it's almost more enjoyable to have it just sitting there as potential. Yes, because it is exciting as well when you know you're going to, like, you know, you're going to spend a certain amount of money on yourself, like, on luxury things. It is really... Especially the way we buy things, we tend to, like... Really overthink the purchase. Yeah, we, we... Depending on what it is, like, we research it. Like... We want to get the best one for our Say, like, if I'm going to buy makeup, I can't just go into the store and, like, look at the makeup and buy something. I have to be like, oh, I want a purple lipstick. Okay, what type of purple lipstick do I want? Okay, who's got the best lipstick? Who's got the best formula? What type of formula do I want? Where can I get it from? Is it tested on animals? Yeah, exactly. So there are all these things. So that by the time I actually do go into the store, if I go into a store, whether it's online... I already know what I want, and then I pick it. And that's the way I like to purchase things. It's not like that with everything, though. Like, I did that with, like, basically half the birthday money, and then the rest of it was like, okay, what takes my fancy? Impulse buys. Not everything, because I am, like, even though despite what I just said, I am an impulse shopper. Like you're kind of half and half. Yeah, um, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde of the purchase. Yeah, world. it just depends what it is. Some things I can't so kind of sit there and research. But my point was, it is really fun to do that. If you know there's several things you want, and they in, you know, entails kind of doing that type of research. It is kind of fun to spend That's those part few of days. The whole experience. Yeah. <coughs> And then at the end of it, you have the satisfaction of knowing you made the exact right yeah, purchase yeah. that you wanted. And you wanted. got it from the best place possible for the best price. Yeah, so maybe we should move on to the topics. 
<laughs> we just speak for five hours and then do one topic. I feel like we always say this yeah. and then we always do it the next episode. Yeah, it's just... It's yeah. nice to warm up by just chit-chatting, though. Yeah. To get into the flow well, of it. Well, that's the whole kind of, like, way we want, kind of wanted our podcast to be as well. Yeah, we want it to be a little kind of easygoing, mm. not too formal. Yeah, so tell me what the first... Okay, so the first article, interestingly enough, was actually posted into this website. It wasn't written for it specifically. Someone wrote Snail it down mail? and sent it through the post <clears throat> That's cool. for reasons which will become apparent yeah. momentarily. The article title is Bored? Question mark, no way. Ditching technology makes life complicated and beautiful. And... <laughs> Essentially, this guy writes how he has completely given up all modern technology in every aspect of his life. And he's writing about basically how he feels it's enriched his life in all these different ways. And he's kind of advocating for other people to follow his lead and saying your life will be much more fulfilling and much less impeded by all these devices that you think are helping you but are actually just ways to trivially distract yourself from doing the things that actually give you some sense of meaning, some sense of purpose. And so he's saying if you do choose to forsake all modern technology, you will live, A, like people used to when they didn't have all these modern phenomenons like all these different spectrums of loneliness and anxiety and depression and whatnot, which is obviously kind of a spurious medical yeah. claim. But he then goes on to say, it will help you discover what is meaningful, what is beneficial, what type of, what way of life would give you a good, fulfilling, satisfying type of existence. And so I just read this and thought it'd be interesting to talk about how you think you'd fare without any modern technology, without electricity, without computers, without so he doesn't use electricity? washing machines or dishwashers. No, he lives like oh. someone from whatever, the 1700s. He hunts his own food. He makes his clothing out of their skins. He washes things with a washboard and dries them by running them through a mangle, all that type of thing. Okay, so my first, I have a few first kind of instincts. When you first started talking about it, I was like, no. Because I am a person who definitely sees that things like the internet, <clears throat> the good of it far outweighs the bad of it, right? So my instinct is to be like, no, of course modern technology isn't like something to be like... Shouldn't. Yeah. But then when you said about him hunting and like you know all that stuff making his clothes out of like animals and stuff he isn't fucking bored or lonely because his whole life is taken up by the fact that it takes him 10 hours to hunt and fucking skin an animal and like make his Chop dinner it up and like make some his whole life is he's taken too. up with the fact that everything takes 10 times as long yeah um so that's that's what I attribute to that in large part because he's spending so much time trying to maintain this life. 
And to go back to what I kind of originally... Because I thought when you said this that it was just going to be in terms of, like, modern technology... Um, which I guess I guess you could say like electricity is modern technology, but I really just thought you meant like gadgets and like the internet and telephones and things. Um, because I remember when there wasn't internet. electricity. <laughs> you had to get everywhere via horse-drawn buggies. Yes, there was no penicillin. There was no mobile phones. There was no internet. Well, there was internet, but. Normal people didn't have internet. It was just university researchers. It was just Bill Gates. Playing noughts and, and like, crosses yeah. over the network. So you did have, like... It was doing, a different time, doing, in a way. Yeah, like, obviously a lot of the time now when you're kind of wanting... Like, I do... A lot of my time is taken up by kind of, like, being on the internet or, like, watching Netflix or something. Obviously, things like movies and TV was around then, but obviously having something like Netflix, things are more accessible and there's more content, right? It's now kind of a personal experience rather than an event of going yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah. and doing it. So, obviously, I'm trying to think of, like, what what types of things I did. Or... I don't want it to sound like I was more social because the internet wasn't there, but that's just kind of like what life was like then. Like people, like the thing to do when you were done kind of like with school and homework was to kind of hang out with your friends. Like I didn't spend very much time on my own growing Watching up. Watching TV or yeah. stuff like that. Um, Isn't that more a symptom of you being a young person? And that kind of being the main way to spend your time. No, because I feel like it's probably not like that anymore for kids now. I I don't think the thing to do. They're too busy playing Minecraft and watching YouTube. Is to go hang out with your friends. Yeah, I think it's more kind of like it probably is taken up with like screens for whatever reason, whether that's internet or like video games, video games or whatever. But video games were around then, so I don't. But back then in your day, it was Pong. How dare you. And you thought that was the most incredible thing ever. You said, look at those little white paddles moving around mm. the screen. It's it will fun. never get better than this. Graphics will never get better than the this. The types of games I would play when I was little was Sonic the Hedgehog. Sure. That, that was like my favorite game. Collecting those rings, do, do, yo. Do, 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 do. He's drowning! Um, yeah, so... I feel like I'm kind of making it sound like, well, yeah, so you you basically are saying that people are more social without the internet. But I don't know that that's what life would be like now if you're a kid. Like, I'm sure for a lot of people it is that you just want to hang out with their friends. But the difference is, I feel like a lot of people, when they go and hang out with their friends, they still kind of are on their screens and stuff. Like, hanging out with your friends now is different to hanging out with your friends then. Like, we would hang out and, like, get up to mischief because there's nothing else to do. Like Attacking elderly people, sure. <laughs> no. Shops. no, but we would, like, I don't know, we would... Throw rocks at police cars? Hang out in, like, fields or, like, at the park or, like, get Release high. viruses into drunk. the water supply? I don't appreciate this, honestly. <laughs> I'm trying to reveal to the world that you are a supervillain unto yourself. No, I'm a superhero. Samantha the Terrible. That's your name. That's just mean. Not terrible in terms of your Oh, because the distinction is obvious. Terrible in terms of you're evil. 
Thanks. Which is that. a worthwhile distinction to be made if you're trying to I don't mean I'm going to have you on the podcast anymore. It's my podcast. So you villain. can go away or do it on my own. The solo Samcast. I have occasionally talked about a solo podcast for you called Shit Sam Says. <laughs> <laughs> where it's just what I to, would refer to as you Samisms, need, your strange rants and, and even though the it's way shit Sam says things. the things I say are not shit. Yeah. You need to make that decision. I'm just using that form yeah. which people, you know, that's the way people phrase subreddits and such. Yeah. <laughs> oh so shit yeah. Sam says I have yeah. my own subreddit. <laughs> You're the only person in it. I feel like you need to give an example of what you mean, but I can't even think of an example yeah, of what I mean. They're very of the moment. You'll just occasionally say something that's so... The way you phrase things, or sometimes your inflection, the way you put heightened meaning on certain words, it's just it's difficult to explain, and obviously an example yeah. would be useful here, but my mind is kind of blanking. But you just have a very unique way of articulating things sometimes mm. and that's where the joke arose where you could just have <laughs> either like a twitter feed where i just i run it but i just occasionally post these crazy things that you say mm. or maybe just an epic length solo podcast where you just rant about everything under the it's sun it's just snippets of me saying things right it's time. a super cut of samisms yeah so i don't know what types of things did you do before the internet and like screens kind of I wasn't over? before the internet, that's the thing. You weren't, but before the age of ten you were. Sure. I can't really remember what I did then. Probably probably read or yeah. watched TV. Like or that's stuff like all that. you did. As soon as I could start playing video games, I did. And I played video games from a young age. For me it was things like the Mega Drive. Yeah, that's what that's what it was when or I was there. Or the though. PlayStation 1. No, are you too young for that to be the main thing? No, because I remember playing, like you said, Sonic on yeah. the Sega Mega Drive, I want to say. Sega! I can't remember almost anything about it. I just have very faint memories. I definitely played Sonic and do, Alex do, the Kid do, and do, things do, like that. Do. I just can't remember anything about do, it. Do, do, the first do, kind of generation do, do. I could remember was the PlayStation 1... And then moving on to the PlayStation 2. Oh and my god, do you remember Paperboy? No, because I'm not 59. Wasn't that Alex Kidd? Aren't they the same thing? No. <laughs> I don't think you ever learned the eponymous Paperboy's first name. Maybe his name, his first name is Paper and his family name is Boy. And they've just no, smushed just it together. No, that's not what it was. Why did I think they were the same? People call him over. That's weird. Hey, Paper. Come and check out this cool new Shake Shack we've discovered. <laughs> I guess my Ice thing would be flips. is like, I feel like I wouldn't, like I'm sure I would be able to fill the time because if I took away like, I guess my shows and all the things I do on the internet, then the things I have left that have nothing to do with technology are reading, writing, Interacting with other people, going places. I don't really like interacting with other people. You like though. interacting with me. Yes, we can still talk, even if there's no I, microphones Yes, here. but I feel like we would have to talk way more. That sounds bad. I don't mean like that. But we would talk 
more than there we do now. Impetus to talk. And more. we already talk to each yeah. other quite a lot. Like there are couples or friends that don't talk as much as we do, and I feel like we talk a lot. And then there are obviously people that talk more than us, but we would talk more. We would interact with each other even more than we already do. And I don't really have many other people to interact with. Like, so... Just think, if the internet went down and we had no phones, Steph and you would become completely estranged. We'd have to... We would... We do write to each other now and then. We haven't in a while. But there was a time when we were writing letters to each other. Because I, I think it is exciting to get things in the mail now that you don't really get things in the mail. Um... So there was a time when we were writing physical letters to each other and we would send each other, like we send each other gifts on like Christmas and birthdays and things. And that's always exciting. But yeah, we wouldn't be able to text. We wouldn't be able to FaceTime. Um, I think you're focusing too much on technology that entertains you, like the internet or screens. Well, yeah, that's what I wanted to focus on first. I so think I, that wouldn't even be the most burning absence if you got rid of all technology. I think you'd find it much more difficult without a electricity washing machine or without running water. Well, that was that was what I was going to come to, and it was the point I made about him. I feel like if you take away all technology, including electricity, your life is kind of made up of maintaining your life in terms of I have to constantly be washing my clothes by hand constantly be washing them and drying them by hand I have to hunt for my food which takes a long time especially if you're not a very good hunter so you have to go out however many times to try and catch the food you have to skin the food you have to clean the food you have to cook the food slower because you don't have a real cooker you then have to clean up all that other stuff by hand then you have to like clean i guess you'd what else is there maybe it's not that much then i don't know well for example he was saying and i think this is probably a fair point it's just kind of fallen out of popularity now or it's not something that people really think this type of activity can it's not a benefit that it can give you but he was saying like I have to spend a couple of hours every so often chopping wood. Like, you know, yeah, just no, fuck getting that. a log, <laughs> putting it on the chopping block and then smashing it with an axe. But he was saying that's almost kind of a meditative activity mm. where you're focused so much on this one simple thing and you're exercising and you're like so hyper-concentrated on doing this right that it's almost this mentally invigorating or cleansing activity where you it's almost like a meditative trance because you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again you're making useful stuff for yourself maybe that type of life would work for people um the types of people that like need a purpose so his purpose has become surviving this is how he survives because he doesn't use technology and so a big chunk of his life is made up of the, those activities. And then the free time he has is spent doing fun things like reading or whatever, or like seeing nature, you know, because there's not that much time left after those things. But for people who like, I hate stuff like that. Like I 
you know, there are people who enjoy cleaning that they're like, oh, I'm going to do like, I'm going to do like a spring clean and it's going to feel so good. And I'm like, that's the last thing on earth that I want to do. I only do that when I absolutely have to. I don't even dust. Like, I really hate cleaning and I hate doing laundry and I will go as long as I can without doing these things. And I don't want to spend even 10 minutes doing it, let alone 10 hours or one hour or whatever. So that type of life would be hell for someone like me. Um, But then it's interesting because if that situation was thrust upon you, like there was, I don't know, some kind of EMP attack that destroyed all electrical devices and whatever... And you had to start hand washing your clothes and you had mm. to start writing letters by hand again. And you had to start reading books and you had to, to entertain yourself, go and walk amongst nature and stuff like that. Isn't it kind of dangerous to become so attuned to the novelty and the conveniences of technology to form that symbiotic relationship where you can't break that tether between you and technology without it destroying your life? Isn't it kind of perilous to put yourself in that situation? No. <laughs> because I'm not someone who's like, I'm not going to, like, obviously I am in some aspects. Like, there are certain things I don't want to do because something might happen and I don't think the risk is worth it. Like, I don't have any desire to jump out of a plane, like parachute or go diving in the sea. These types of, like entertaining things that are like good in the moment but they have high risk factors so in that sense i'm a person who doesn't want to do things because of what might happen but in every other sense i'm not going to not do something because it might not be there it's like when people like i'm scared to fall in love because i might get my heart broken okay i am too everyone is but that doesn't mean i'm not gonna love because that's no way to live so the technology's here right now and I might not be here tomorrow, so I'm going to fucking take advantage. Like, I'm not going to, like, go walking in the fucking nature where I don't want to be just in case... You have to start I don't becoming have the in- accustomed yeah. to that. Like, I'm, I'm going to face it when it comes, and if it comes, I'm hoping I'll be fine with it. But, like, you know, it might never come, so I'm not going to I'm not gonna do that. I don't think I would have trouble entertaining myself if, like, things weren't there. Like, because I like to write, I like to take pictures, and you can do that without technology, pinhole cameras, and... The garotypes. <laughs> and writing, reading, you can do all that. And those are the other things I like doing that don't need technology. And obviously I like spending time with you, and I like spending time with Steph, and I like spending time with my mum. You I can't could do- spend time with Steph. Damn. You can write her letters, and I guess if there was no electricity or modern technology whatsoever for everyone in the world, I'm talking about like a, yeah. a that scale of event. I guess she could do the old thing of getting on a boat for two weeks to cross the Atlantic and come and see you, yeah. but that's probably not going to happen. That's yeah, what that I'm talking suck, about. Obviously. You'd be completely cut off yeah. from people who are not. She'd have to local come and to live you. here. <laughs> are we going to live there? I don't know. Yeah. I get what you're saying. The moral of your story is basically let yourself fall in love with Netflix. Yeah. Because well, there's no point worrying to... about these crazy yeah. eventualities. I understand that. I just, 
it's weird when you see how dependent you've become on technology. And an example of that, and this obviously affects me because I'm a writer and so it's something I notice, but I remember occasionally when I would try and write a letter by hand or more egregiously because it was such a hindrance when I had to do written exams for my university course. Mm -hmm. It's so kind of surprising and galling when you try and sit down and write out something for a couple of hours. You realise that A your handwriting is terrible because you haven't been writing by hand for so long. And B, the part that really screws you over, especially if you were majoring in English like I was, you forget how to spell things because when you're writing on a computer or you're texting someone, spell check just sneaks in invisibly and makes sure that everything is spelled correctly. But you don't actually memorize the correct spellings of words. You just trust that the computer is going to fill in those gaps for you. And so when you actually try to write at length by hand and recall those spellings by memory, this is a little thing, of course, but I, you realise like that they're need, not there yeah. and you just can't spell things <clears throat> and you forget all these grammatical rules that are done automatically for you by a computer. This is embarrassing, but it's very relevant. I, <laughs> when I was writing the other day, I typed the word potato and it underlined and I was like what how is that not right like and I was trying to think when I've last written the word potato and I thought I never write potato I always write potatoes and the only time I write potatoes is if I'm sending you a shopping list yeah (laughs) and so I was like shit there's no fucking e in potato it's just like potato (laughs) <laughs> like you mistook the singular for the plural yeah spelling. so I, I did potatoes without the s yeah. basically and i was like what the fuck and that yeah. was a classic example of <clears throat> you don't fucking know how to spell um my actual biggest thing <clears throat> in terms of writing on a computer or phone or whatever it is that you write with versus writing by hand is that for me because when I first sort of like became a writer if you will was via typing on a computer or on a typewriter well I actually first ever wrote on an electric typewriter and I did have a regular typewriter at one point um clack 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 but clack, no cling. when i first clack, writed clack, 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 <laughs> it's so satisfying when i first started writing seriously it was on a computer and so the times that i've thought oh I w- i'm gonna actually write by hand like i'll have like cute journals physical journals and i'll be like i think i'm gonna write in this or whatever the words don't come out the same yeah and i don't know whether that's because your hand can't like your writing hand can't move as fast as your typing hand because me and you, we type quite fast. I don't know if it's that or if it's that my brain is trained to do it through both hands. But because it can't come out fast enough, it doesn't flow the same. Like when I, I even have it with my thumbs now because for a long time I really got into writing on my iPhone and so I wrote with my thumbs and so even sometimes now, writing with my full hands on, on a, a top keyboard. keyboard is even sometimes just because I got into writing with my thumbs. So then going to write with like a pen or a pencil, it re- it doesn't come out 
anywhere yeah. near the same. And so your writing changes and that would suck. Yeah. I guess you could have a typewriter, which would be the same. But yeah, it depends on how dire things were because you'd obviously have to have the ribbon. Yeah. But um that's not the most complicated no, part know, of a I'm typewriter. Just saying. I'm just You'd saying. have to have all the metal parts of it first before you had to worry about the ribbon and the ink and stuff like yes, that. Yes, but if you had like a working typewriter, but you because you run out of ribbon, that's the thing that has to yeah. be replaced. I know what you're saying. That's like the <clears throat> thing you have to replace. That's the thing that makes the typewriter yeah. make the fucking. That's an interesting point that you make. I've never really thought about how the medium of writing in terms of typing on a keyboard, on a laptop, or whatever your brain almost becomes accustomed to that form of expression. That muscle memory of you typing on the keys and you channeling your thoughts down through your fingers and typing it out like that. You're almost rewiring your mind to articulate itself in a way that's kind of tailor-made for that type of writing. And that's kind of scary to me. Yeah, especially for people like me who have like... Who write in a very stream of conscious likeness writing? That came out. (laughs) There was a strange pause in the middle of that. Because it is kind of like a very like flowy. I'm thinking so many things at one time, and you're getting it all out. Yeah. Instead of like writers more like you, where it's like you are thinking about every single thing you slow and deliberative. And so I feel like writing with a pen would probably be easier for you. Whereas for me, I'm just fucked. Like, I've lost 10 words because I can't get my hand. It's not that I can't. It's not even that. It's not that literal. I know I'm saying my hand's not fast enough, but I don't necessarily mean it as literal as that. I mean my brain to kind of like hand kind of like situation doesn't flow the same so it's not just not moving fast enough it just doesn't flow the same it's like playing the piano it's yeah. like you know it needs You're doing to come the cutest out. little <laughs> flurry hand gestures right now to illustrate the point <laughs> this is why we need to be a video podcast this is what i'm always saying but then i couldn't be like lying on the couch like half dressed you're really I- tantalizing yeah and titillating no the i listeners. don't think i am at all i i I want to be. I wouldn't be able to lie on this couch just seductively posed and half naked. You know what it would be as well, though? I would, if we videoed it, I would be like, I wonder my hair, I wonder my makeup. Not that I wear makeup all the time, but I I would be worried about stuff like that. There is that aspect of vanity that would come into it. I also feel like we'd perform, like, there's a sense of like performance, even just with the podcast. You want to kind of come off a certain way. You want, you know, whether it's whether you want to be funny or intelligent or whatever. But if it was video as well, you'd also want to look good, yeah. you know. You wouldn't want to have bad posture You wouldn't want to, over. like, spit, laugh and, like... But I think if you did it, it's just like anything where if you do it enough, you kind of forget about the cameras, yeah. just as we've started to kind of forget about the microphones. Yeah. And then you can kind of show your honest self. You can be unfiltered and just natural because i know i definitely tried a lot more probably the first five podcasts not tried i mean like tried a lot more in terms of i was a bit more careful in terms of what i said you were very aware that a microphone yeah whereas now 
I know earlier when I was like saying, oh, I'm so high maintenance, I did mean that in terms of like, ugh, I don't want to come off sounding like an asshole. But there's also that sense of like, actually, I don't care what people think because they don't like, Yeah. that's not like the full version of me, those four sentences. Like, so I, I've come to this place of like, well, I am me and that's not going to change. So I should just be the me that I am. Yeah. It's interesting how it does change things when you have that subconscious awareness that a microphone is transcribing all your yeah. words into audio and you know that at least in theory people are going to listen to this and scrutinize your words. For me, it, at least for the first couple of episodes and then I kind of got over it a little bit, it did activate my latent social anxiety and kind of fear and anxiety over public speaking which i know is very strange because we're just in a room together looking at each other in pajamas on the couch talking but there was something in my mind some little devilish gremlin that convinced it that this is the same as public speaking this is the same as getting up in front of a meeting or a class and kind of activated all those levers to make me a little bit more hesitant and a little bit more uncomfortable and so at least for the first couple of episodes i had to kind of fight against that and try to overcome that but it kind of tapers off eventually yeah it does because in the beginning we had a very a few very like oh my god i'm really nervous or i'm really anxious i don't know why and then it kind of didn't really happen to that you don't want to sound like a fool you don't want to trip over your words it's more so you want to yeah you want to sound good in terms of like you want to give your full thoughts on something you don't want to sound like you don't know what you're talking about or like come off as like a dick or whatever the other I didn't mean to interrupt you, sorry. Sorry. The other thing I was going to say about, like, the video thing, you listen to these podcasts after we've done them because you edit the, you know, the intro. Yeah, well, I skim through the audio to take out the pauses and mic bumps and moments where we have to get up and go to the bathroom and stuff like that. But I don't listen to it. Unless you need to, like, at least show me something, like... Ask your opinion about something. I don't listen to it and I actually have come to the point of where like I don't want to listen to it because sometimes I don't like the sound of my own voice. Most people don't like the sound of their own voice. And also I'm the type of person if I listen to it properly every time, I'm going to start picking at things. And I'll be like, oh take that out. Yeah. And I don't want to do that because in this moment here when we're recording, I am being truthful in terms of my reactions to things, my opinions the way to you're things. Speaking. So I don't want to edit that yeah. later on. However, if we did a video, I think yeah. I would want to watch every one because I would want to see how I looked. Not but you in couldn't terms of for the like, same reason. It would make yeah, you too yeah. self-aware and Not, too yeah. self-conscious. Not in terms of like I'm insecure, so I want to see how I look just I actually think it would be a vain thing. I would want to see how I look in terms of like, do I look good? And I want to see that kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't. And obviously, I don't do that now because it's just audio. So I don't really think. I'm not saying that we won't ever do a video one. But maybe like, for our fiftieth episode yeah, or hundredth. Maybe we'll do a live podcast. It also. I don't know. We post pictures of ourselves on like Instagram and stuff, like our podcast Instagram. So people obviously, well, not if you've everyone. Gone because, through and saw it, yeah. Because yeah, because it's not really, yeah. Um, 
So I think most people who listen to us don't know what we look like. Yeah. And I kind of like that. Like, it wow. might be weird. That's possibly going to change <laughs> yeah, in the near yeah, future. Yeah. But like... We can't say why, though. It's a secret. But also, a one picture is different to watching someone in motion. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's lots of times you've listened to the radio or a podcast, and then you see the person, and you're like, oh, that's not how I pictured that person. And now, actually, it kind of is a bit strange. And so, you know, there might be that weird kind of, like... It is weird when you listen to a podcast, and you don't know what the people look like, and you kind of come up with an image in your head based on their voice and their personality and their accent and stuff like that it's and it almost almost never is even remotely what they actually look like your brain just tries to fill in the gaps it tries to insert that data where there is none so it's a little bit like a judgment thing because i feel like your brain is never going to conjure up something that's like i don't know you're always gonna like judge a voice and like think this is the type of voice that such and such person might yeah. have or whatever um so your brain is always going to do something that's not real yeah. because there's a lot of strange inexplicable yeah. value judgments associated with that process i feel like i don't even know what the topic was that we <laughs> i like that i like this kind of meta discussion though because you can't help but think about it when yeah. you do a podcast for me i'm kind of opposite from you in a way in terms of my worry is more that I won't be 100% myself. I won't be 100% honest. My fear is not saying something stupid. It's saying something that I don't actually believe. Like, I want to try and st- strenuously try mm. to articulate what I actually think and not let all those worries kind of impede me or change my thoughts. I never want to kind of make it more palatable or make it more acceptable i want to say what i actually think Mm. well that kind of goes hand in hand with the saying something stupid thing because i never want to say something stupid i.e something i don't really mean so that i don't sound a certain way um so they kind of in a way mean the same thing like i i'll like a few times we've kind of gone to say something like actually i don't want to say i don't yeah think i think that and the amount of times i contradict myself throughout certain discussions i think that's fine as long as you're like doing it in like a real like you're not just doing it because other people are doing it like oh that person changed their mind so i'm going to change my mind just follow suit like sheep and and i'm not doing it because i'm fickle because i'm not like i do it because actually i've found had more information a new thought has occurred to you or i've seen your perception of it or yeah, a new thought has kind of come into my mind. Like You've gradually changed your mind. And I think that's discussion. totally okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I do. I think as writers, we're a little bit more susceptible to the phenomenon of there's that temptation to say something in a witty or well-articulated way. And there's that temptation to do that even if it's not exactly what you believe. Yeah. Like there's that urge to say it well, even if it doesn't articulate perfectly what you're trying to say what you believe and you have to try and fight against that if possible because otherwise you just end up trying to craft these witticisms that sound good but don't actually express what you really think what you really believe Mm. on the surface i would say that my (sighs) my writing is very different to the way i speak but actually both are quite fragmented like i think i 
when I write, I have access to a kind of bigger vocabulary when I write. I don't know if it's because I start. Yeah. Even though I was saying it's very fast and that's why my hand can't do it fast enough, it is still slower than me here right now trying to give you a thought. So I tend to use my more basic words more simple when you speak when i speak yeah and i don't worry about it like lots of people worry about it they want to give you their best word their best you know um and i try not to i try not to worry about that stuff it's like i know and i'm okay with how i am and what i know and that should be fine you know i think it is sometimes useful to try and take just a split second to try and find like the perfect word that you're looking yeah. for. I do that sometimes, but you but never want it to word trip is, up the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And the perfect word is not necessarily always the biggest word. The $5 or, long yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. So I think it just, and there's always, a, there's always times as well when you're like, I know there's a word for that, but I, I don't know it. Doesn't it doesn't matter. You I can kind of it. explain what yeah. you mean. And so you do try to just explain. I do hope, see, I feel right now, when we're talking on the podcast, we're probably like 90, 95% exactly as we would be talking if the microphones weren't there. Like it's yeah. almost, almost 100%. And I hope as we continue to do it, those last few percentages fall away because you get more comfortable, you get more mm. used to being recorded. I also think we're probably a little, even a little bit more silly in Right. Without, because there are lots of times when I I know I'm about to be silly on the podcast, because I know the podcast is only going to be like three hours. I know that sounds only three hours. But like I know, like for instance, earlier you you were being very silly. Almost everything I said, you were turning it into something that we always do. We yeah. mess around, and I would do that even more in in real life. Like this is real life, but you know what I mean. <laughs> if we weren't recording, I would let myself run away with it. But I think I do. There's like a one percent like hold on to that silly for a minute and just kind of get your point across. Yeah. So well, I you think you don't I'm, want it to devolve into yeah, yeah, just yeah. weird inside jokes and giggling. Yeah, because no one's going to want to listen to yeah. that. Because um, we do have quite a lot of inside jokes and like it's not really you know, that funny from the outside. It's not. If you don't no. get and everyone the point. thinks that there are going to like their inside joke is like so funny even. Yeah. To, but no, no one's going to know what we're talking about. Yeah. And even when you explain an inside joke, it's never funny, yeah. and you it don't know how you got to that. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I do want to pursue that path of radical honesty though for me having grown up with the internet one of the core phenomena of the internet that you can't help but notice is that if you put yourself out there if you put any kind of content out there any kind of thought of yours any kind of idea if it reaches enough people and that's quite a low threshold it will receive criticism you will get abused by random trolls on the internet And so for me, I'd rather express myself honestly and be who I actually am and say what I really think and have to deal with those trolls and those weird criticisms for that rather than try to tailor what I'm saying and the ideas I'm expressing to make it as kind of just like this mushy, anodyne pabulum don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers and i want to say it in a way that can't possibly offend someone and i don't want to rock the bow or like whatever it is and then still get that criticism because that must just be so 
disheartening yeah. and so like what was even the point i tried to please everyone and yet i was still subject to the internet hate machine tm this makes me think of my whole like i find it really kind of like hard uncomfortable oh my god i want to delete that if i engage with people on the internet and by that i mean comment on things like <clears throat> whether it's like in a subreddit or i don't know on an article or a in facebook a facebook comment, group a twitter thread, yeah whatever if i'm saying something that has that is kind of like part of like a debate or has any kind of opinion i know that a it could get attacked b it could get taken the wrong way c it could offend someone you know what i mean it yeah. could it could go in all these different directions that are potentially negative, harmful, it's just upsetting. Start drama. And so I don't really do it. And the few times that I have, it's either backfired or ignored. And then that's almost like also yeah. bad. What was like, even the point of like, chiming in? I agonized over whether to get involved because it's difficult for me. Yeah. And then I did and no one even saw it. Like, so... But the main thing is that I find it hard to engage because I feel like it's it's hard to find your people in a sea of lots of different people. That are going to give you the benefit of the doubt when you yeah, say Yeah, like it's hard for people to like, you to find people on the same level, you know, and for other people to find you on their level. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't really engage. And so and I feel like a lot of people must be like, but how? isn't like putting yourself out there in terms of like a podcast or a blog like I have a blog that's very personal and that's public and my Instagram's public and that's very personal and a lot of people might be like but isn't that like harder because you're so personal and it's not because you're not engaging yeah and unless you go viral for whatever reason you don't really like I don't know whether I have an audience Obviously, on certain platforms, I have followers, but I don't, I'm not the type of like, I don't have the type of accounts where I get like hundreds of comments. So I don't, I, you don't it's solicit not engaging. That type of feedback yeah. Or commentary. Yeah, exactly. So that type of content that I'm putting out there, I'm not engaging with anyone. It's a pure, it's me purely like expressing myself. That is like my diary, even though it is public. And that's why I'm fine with it because no one really, like, I don't really engage. Yeah. Um, I understand that approach. And that whole, like, commenting on things and engaging in things on, like, subreddits or Facebook groups, that's just really true to, like, who I actually am in the real world because I don't social with me socialize with many people. I don't have loads of friends. Like, I don't go to parties where there's, like, you know, whatever. So in a way, it's like a very like real kind it's like of a like a true reflection of yeah, your social instincts. Exactly. I definitely get that whole. It can be so frustrating and such a strong deterrent when you're thinking about posting on a Reddit thread or posting on in response to someone's tweet or whatever it is, because you know there's a high likelihood because it's the internet and everyone's so quick to take something the wrong way and jump down your throat. There's a, a pretty high likelihood of it starting some kind of drama, some kind of argument. 
And one of the ancient fundamental bylaws of the internet <laughs> is that once you get into a slap fight on the internet, you've already lost. Yep. And so it is very <clears throat> tempting often to just try and circumvent that uh. from the outset and just not even allow yourself to be dragged into that. I think what it also is as well, you have to realise who you are, what type of person you are. Are you like, do you want to like use the internet in terms of like talking to people? Do you want to be like an engager? Like is almost everything you do on the internet something to do with talking to other people? Yes, lots of people use the internet for that. They have lots of internet friends. They have profiles everywhere. They are in a million different message boards, subreddits, Facebook groups, whatever you want to call them. And then there are people like me who use it as like a diary slash art, if yeah, you will. Just like just putting out the stuff that yeah, you create. I realise the type of person that I want to be, I do like I just I do want to use it like that. I do want to use it as like I want to like put my writing out there, put my photography out there, put my feelings out there. And honestly, I don't need to then look at it again. It's out there and that's how I express myself. And I don't even need people to engage. Like, then there are people in the middle and those are like YouTube stars or like Instagram stars or whatever, where they do kind of like... They want to be famous. They want to amass this Yeah, they create the content and then they do want to engage and that's how they end up being like famous yeah. or whatever. Um, so you just got to decide what where you are in terms of those things and what you want to be. This is funny because we've kind of neatly segued into the next topic of discussion oh, okay. by talking about social media and all of those type of impulses and different categories of the way people interact yeah. with that whole ecosystem. Okay, so what is the next article? Okay, so the next one is entitled The Social Media Quote-Unquote Echo Chamber is Real. I saw this article on Ars Technica and it's reporting on this new study which takes into account the activity of hundreds of millions of Facebook users and essentially confirms what we might call the echo chamber hypothesis, which is that people get into this self-segregated situation where they only look at news sources which show them what they want to see, and they only look at opinions which agree with them, and they group together with people who are completely like-minded, who share the exact same orthodoxy, of thinking and politics and all that type of thing. And so they kind of forge for themselves on their social media this very insulated, very unruffled system of only getting what they want, only getting the things that agree with them or that align with their present worldview or that echo back to them what they're already thinking. And I just thought it was interesting how a study... And like I said, this takes into account hundreds of millions of people has finally showed that this is true because it seems kind of obvious on the face of it. And so it's good that it now has a certain degree of empirical evidence to back it up. Yeah, I don't think that's surprising. 
<clears throat> yeah, I don't think that's really that all surprising, to be honest, especially if it's only taking into account Facebook profiles. Because Facebook, while obviously a lot of people do use it in terms of like it's public and they f have lots of strangers on their Facebook, there are also a hell of a lot of people that their Facebook is private and the only people they have on there are family and friends. Yeah. And so... People they actually know in real yeah, life. Yeah. And so you... You... I mean, if you choose the type of friends where you are kind of like like-minded and most of your family is kind of like-minded, then you are kind of all going to share the same type of content, whether it's like right-wing stuff, liberal stuff, you know things to do with animals, celebrities, whatever, it is, whatever yeah. it is, it's always going to be the same type of thing and it's always going to fit that cycle of like what's happening now and then you're all just going to regurgitate it between each other. It's like you're sharing it but you know everyone else on your page is also sharing it and you know you're only sharing it to each other. Yeah. And it's that kind of weird It's very self-contained. Yeah. Cyclical. Whereas things like Twitter, yes, obviously people do have private Twitter pages um, and there are probably people that only follow their friends. But I feel like Twitter's more like... It forces you to expose yourself to The world. Yeah, yeah. Like... Because of the amount, like, you usually probably follow more people, you follow more strangers, you follow more kind of, like, news things or entertainment things or whatever. So you 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 see more and you see more difference. Obviously, no, you're not going to, whatever platform it is, you're not going to get away from the news. Yeah. But... If you're using it right, you're also going to see stuff that's not mainstream and you're going to come across a wider variety of things. And I think things like Tumblr and Instagram, to a certain extent, is better for that. Whereas Facebook is that kind of more insular thing. It allows that we're you to about. kind of block everything out yeah, and you... just make this little kind of bubble of yeah. this is what I want to see. You're just kind of regurgitating. You know. Yeah. You see the same things over and over again. Yeah. That's that's what I think anyway. So it's not surprising really to be honest. Yeah. I think it's perhaps too much to ask to say, Oh, well, if you're liberal you should join a bunch of conservative Facebook groups or go into conservative subreddits yeah. and stuff and just put a new post and say, Hey guys, I'm the new liberal guy, like talk to me and debate me. Like that is maybe too much. It's definitely a good idea to lurk in some of those places to see those opposing opinions. It's very important that you clash your own ideas with other people, even if that's just mentally, even if that's internally, because you need to expose your ideas, your kind of implicit prejudices, your political leanings to their opposites. And you need to see how other people think. And you need to say, can what i have concluded the ideas that i've come up with stand being tested against these other ones and i know that those other people are going to vigorously defend their side as best they can and so i know that i'm getting a real test of my ideas so i do think it's very important to expose yourself to that opposite side 
but at the same time i think it is maybe that's the more difficult part of the equation whereas the simpler part is just the information and the news that people consume it's a lot easier to if you're liberal instead of just subscribing to say msnbc or the new york times on twitter also subscribe into some conservative magazines and conservative personalities and whatever it is it's a lot easier to have that more passive kind of consumption of the other side and so i think that is probably the first step of trying to dismantle that echo chamber instinct yeah i i kind of agree i feel like while i don't think it's good to like well not even not good i think it's boring to live in that facebook bubble of like constantly the same thing and i don't necessarily mean the same views i mean like the same funny viral videos that like everyone and their dog thinks is funny there's no identity there there's no self-expression whereas like yeah whereas like you can use twitter a little little better a little more rounded um you're not limited um so what i do think you should kind of you definitely should expose yourself to different things i don't subscribe to the idea that because this is what it makes me think of well it doesn't mean you can't be friends with people if you have different views on things or you know whatever I don't subscribe to that. No, of course I'm not going to want to be friends with people who have complete opposite views to me on every single thing because I'm not going to get along with that person. We're constantly going to be in argument and actually there's a lot of things that I think people believe and that makes me think that person is stupid or evil or whatever and so no, I don't, I'm not going to want to be friends with that person. So I don't subscribe to that idea of like we all have like different views or different religions or whatever, but we can be completely like, you know. There is an outer limit of really egregious things that you can't kind of stomach or sweep under the rug. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because like, for instance, if I knew someone who like loved Trump, like, you know, they were like kind of sexist and like had a lot of the same views they wanted to get rid of like lots of women's rights like no I don't want to be friends with someone like that on a different kind of level I'm not religious that doesn't mean I can't have religious friends as long as they're not preaching like my best friend's religious and when I think about it sometimes it's strange to me because i have such different views when it comes to religion as her but and this sounds shitty but she's the right kind of religious does that make sense like she's not trying to make me believe she's in. she's not God. trying to shove it down your throat she's not judging me for not believing she's in not God. saying you're going to go to hell because yeah, you're not exactly blank in fact we never talk about god you know religions obviously come up But there are certain things you just don't kind of go there with because there's no point. She believes what she believes and I believe what I believe. And 
maybe if she was like more religious, I don't know, or maybe if like she was, you know, a different type of religious, maybe then it wouldn't work out. Cause friction. But the way it is right now, it's like it's totally not an issue. Because we are such good friends in every other aspect. Um but I don't think that always works. Yeah. I think people stay friends with people who have different views and who believe different things because it's easier. You know what I mean? Like, it's easier to just be like, yeah, I know I always roll my eyes at this person and actually I didn't have a good time, but we've been friends for 20 years. It's like, well, don't you think, you know, that you are just different people and, like, you... Sometimes you can't have a good time with people who don't have the same views as you because almost everything they say is rooted in something that you don't believe. Right. And so, you know, I don't really subscribe to that idea of like, well, you know. If someone is... We can all get along. ...aggressively opposed to almost everything you believe, it is naturally going to be difficult to have any kind of civil productive dialogue with them because you're just going to be so at odds and it's just going to turn into this emotive kind of well you're stupid because you believe this or you're stupid because you believe that Mm. i think there is probably and this is unfortunate but it's just a byproduct of human nature we're not perfectly rational creatures but i think there is probably those limits those are Mm. there are those outliers where it's like I can't find a way to mesh us together in a civil, respectful conversation. That's true. But I think for the most part, you can have relationships, you can have friendships, you can have good, productive conversations with people who even mostly disagree with you on everything. And so I just want to see people move to a place where they're not so instinctually adverse to that where they don't feel so protective, almost like this maternal instinct of their ideas, as if their ideas were their children, where, oh, no, I can't possibly talk to someone who doesn't agree with me on this. And I can't possibly talk with someone who thinks that this idea I have is not the best one or there's a better idea. When people get that protective of their ideas and become that scared of changing their minds... Their ideologies, their ideas, their opinions, their leanings, they kind of ossify into a very concrete dogma, which no one from the outside can chip away at or try and rectify or try and adapt or try and improve. They're so convinced that everything they think is perfectly right and it's perfectly immune from any kind of useful criticism that they become impossible to have any kind of real discourse with. And they, like we said earlier, they retreat into these communities of precisely like-minded people who are continually just going to reinforce the same ideas and are going to continually demonize any kind of outside criticism or deviation in thought. You said it perfectly, and I think that refines my point. Because obviously I'm not saying I can't be friends with religious people because I'm not religious. And obviously this is just an example of what I meant. Um, all I meant was it's hard to be friends with people when they're constantly judging you for not thinking the same way. I'm 
not judging you for thinking for not thinking my way. I'm saying it's not comfortable or fun to be with friends with someone who doesn't have that kind of easygoing place open in them to be friends with me without yeah. judging. Like I it's like you can't be friends with them if they can't be friends with you. Yeah, exactly. And I think if you do kind of disagree on everything or like they're the top, because because they have these like views that you don't agree with, you know, a lot of their things might be laced with like sexism or um or they might be kind of like casually racist. Like I I don't want to be friends with anyone like that. Yeah. Like or the rest of that person might be really nice, but the fact that they believe a certain thing or they like they have this view of like the way the world should be, it might not affect me on a daily basis in our friendship, but it's a really fucked up view to have. Yeah. I believe. And so I can't be friends with that person. Yeah. That like I said, there are those upper limits of extremes where it's just so beyond the pale that there's no way to kind of put things aside and try and just interact in a normal way mm. like i can disagree with someone strongly on the benefits and the applicability of say affirmative action but i can't have a friendly relationship where we constantly have these interesting productive debates with someone who thinks that other races are subhuman yeah like that there's you eventually get to a certain point where the person is so far beyond any kind of like acceptable thing that there's just no way to stomach it there's no way to swallow it even to have a certain conversation with them and it just becomes not worth your time anymore yeah i agree it's like this is so not the same but it makes me think of like <clears throat> when famous people do something like horrible that like you find out like the guy beat his wife or right. like he was like convicted of rape 10 years ago or whatever but oh my god his music is so good yeah and i know how to separate art from the person <laughs> it's like yeah. no he created that art he has put himself into that art. And by you accepting it, it's like you're saying you accept the type of person that yeah. he is or whatever, that you would be friends with him or that you idolise him still in some way. And it's like, no. By buying the album, you are kind of in a small, indirect way supporting him as exactly. a person. And it's like, no, you're a piece of shit. Like, sure. You know, Sometimes I you need to say things as strongly <laughs> worded and plainly spoken as that. Yeah, that's a weird thing how people, some people just are so committed to this idea of like, quote unquote, non-judgmentalism. Mm. They're like so committed to being like, oh, I, you know, I never judge people because of blah, blah, blah. And I never like think, oh, you shouldn't do that. They're so like, they're so open-minded that they almost don't have a mind. Yeah. Like they just let things go in one ear and out the other without really mm. scrutinizing or analyzing them. That. They end up being those type of people who can just be like, oh, yeah, I'm friends with that guy on, on Facebook. And sure, he posts these, like, racist, anti-immigrant memes and stuff like yeah. that. But, you know, like, I talk to him about whatever, <laughs> football or NASCAR or fashion yeah. or whatever and it he is. He makes a mean barbecue. Sure, yeah. Like, yeah. There is that kind of subsection of people who are just so... Like, when people say I'm not political, 
or like I hate politics and stuff like that. Those I feel like are the type of people who are able to turn off that part of their brain and interact with people who have kind of disgusting, unacceptable views because they're not expending any brain power whatsoever with actually like passing what the implications and the meaning of what that person thinks is. And that's why I have such a problem with really religious people sometimes. Not because I think God doesn't exist and you do, but because there's such hate in religion. You can't just pick and choose what you think is um, right and wrong. If you believe in that religion, you believe in what the Bible says or what their version of the Bible says, you can't just say, well, no, I only it's believe... It's not a la carte. Yeah, I only, I only believe chapter 1 and chapter 12. Like, it's like, well, no. if it's God's inerrant word transcribed yeah. perfectly, then why are you choosing to ignore all these other yeah, things? Yeah, and says? it's not open to interpretation. Fuck you. It says no. it right there. Man should not lie with man. Like, when do you God know what says I mean? keep slaves, he actually means don't harbour these kind of <laughs> enslaving thoughts about yourself. It's like, no, he was talking about human chattel. people may want to have that like oh no it's all shades of grey and like there's so much room for interpretation but yeah sometimes in some situations it's very black and white the writing's on the fucking wall yeah the writing's on the page (laughs) (laughs) yeah but to go back around a little bit I think social media in terms of like what we share and what we consume I think you need to take charge like you can kind of curate what you want it to be like you can follow as many whatever you want you can be as Um, varied as you like yeah and so a lot of people aren't really choosing what they see they're only choosing what their friends share or that like one news site that they follow or whatever. They just passively consume whatever's put in front of them. Yeah, I do think it's up to you to actively choose the people that you follow, to actively choose the communities that you join um, so that you are kind of getting, you know, you're not just getting local news, for instance, you're getting world news. International um, affairs. Yeah, you're not just getting one side of it, you're getting... You know, the liberal side and the... Conservative yeah. side. So I, th- I do think it really is up to you. Like The problem is people have that kind of childish instinct of, I already know what they're going to say. Like, yeah. I'm liberal and I don't have to read any conservative opinion pieces or read what any conservative intellectuals are saying because I already know what they're going to say. Yeah. They hate women and they hate minorities and they hate homosexuals and therefore the government you know not regulating guns at all Mm. and you have to realize that you don't know what the other side is saying unless you read what they are saying and that's not to say you should have to wade through all the disgusting like hateful subreddits that are like supposedly representing the right like it's fine to have a filter process of i'm going to read the national review instead of trawling through this disgusting Mm. like right-leaning hate subreddit yeah because obviously the argument is why would i want to submit myself to that kind of like if you're liberal why would i want to see all that kind of hate like those horrible things that are written about like liberal things or liberal ideas but i think there's a way to kind of find out what's going on like you said without getting into that 
the nitty gritty like horrors of it. Yeah. Like you can just find out that like something happened. You don't have to like watch Fox News and listen to the idiots yeah. join on for four hours. Like you can still find out the information without. Because that's what we do. I mean, we don't only know about liberal stuff. Yeah. I um, feel like I almost sometimes read more conservative yeah, stuff me too. than quote-unquote liberal stuff yeah. because I don't need to be told what I already believe. <laughs> I don't need to have my ideas constantly reiterated and reconfirmed for myself. I want to try and expose myself. And, I, you know, I'm not perfect. I don't always do this. It's sometimes easier and more comfortable to just settle into that routine of going on the same liberal sites over and over again but when i'm able to actually push myself and i have that discipline i do really try to go far afield and read opinions from the other side perspectives from the other side Mm. ideas from the other side because i want to try and refine my ideas i don't want to become too married to any single opinion or perspective that i have or idea for the world or idea for how politics should be or whatever it is i want to constantly say the only certainty is my own fallibility i'm never gonna have this like perfect set of ideas that needs no adjustment no refinement no improvement you have to admit to yourself that you may be wrong on many things and not know it And then you have to try and endeavour to show yourself where you're wrong Mm. or where things can be improved. I think as well, we're like information hungry people. And that spans across all information, not just the good information. Not just the information that you want to be the same as your ideas. Like, for me, it's not about having the same idea or the same view or whatever. It's, It's about just kind of like knowing like going through the world and not like knowing what's going on or whatever is a strange idea and i don't i'm not always up completely up to date there are days when i don't look at anything right i go on the internet but i avoid sometimes you need that break to detox your short-term memory so i'm not always completely up to date about every single thing across the whole world um that's the end of my point i don't really It's interesting because I really do get it. I get that level of comfort where you just stick to your little communities of people who feel the same and it's all this like self-reinforcing groupthink and everyone's patting each other on the back for being so right about all this stuff and being so virtuous compared to those deplorable hordes of people who have this wrong think and that have this kind of this errant way of looking at the world and politics and whatever it is like i think everyone knows that warm fuzzy feeling of knowing that i'm not going to be challenged in this particular community because we all think the same and so i do get it like i understand the psychological mechanisms at work but if you only confine yourself to that kind of insular bubble of self-reinforcing agreement and acquiescence to the same things over and over and over again. It's just like the the same record playing over and over and over again. And I think that monotony and that unvarying opinion can kind of rot your critical thinking skills because you're never exposing yourself to difficult, challenging, opposing ideas. That is kind of like the stuff you need to push into your mind to kind of give it a workout and to kind of 
make you defend your own ideas against this like opposing criticism and in that way you kind of have a much healthier stronger sense of your own ideas because you've been forced to explain them and defend them and justify them and whatever it is instead of just holding them there as these dusty relics that you never pick up and inspect or show to anyone else and i think this is the crux of the argument because i think a lot of people don't see it this way often a person is liberal because they are open-minded meaning they are open to the world they accept and they want to learn whereas like a lot of conservatives i can't believe you're saying this (laughs) they don't want to be open and they don't want to learn because they already think they know and i mean by that (laughs) they have rules this is an example they have kind of a rigid worldview meaning they might be religious being a religious person means there are rules being a religious person means there's a book that you can refer to that never changes yes that never changes being a religious person or a conservative means you see the world a certain way and you don't want that to change and the only way you want do want it to change is just to be even stricter yeah whereas on the opposite side we're the ones saying no (laughs) the world can be better and it can be better by learning more information by getting actual facts in order to move forward. And I'm not saying that's every liberal person, and I'm not saying that's every conservative. I'm saying the majority. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying 99.6%. And maybe as a liberal person, that's just how I want to see things. That's what I would maybe say. But I don't realise that conservatives say the exact same thing about liberals. However, my point stands... They can try to say that, but they don't have the argument of, no, we're moving forward. Because conservatives aren't moving forward. Because they don't... That's the whole point because of they, conservatism. Because they don't believe in global warming. And they don't believe in changing the rules to accept people who fall between the lines of black and white. And so they don't have that argument, whereas liberals do have that argument grounded in fact. Okay. I kind just of... make me president, okay? Just You're make me president. You're not a US citizen, so we'd have to... Or prime minister. Change the rules. Amend the constitution. And the world will be full of joy. I do, to a certain extent, understand what you're saying. Like, that is... And again, I have to say, to a certain extent... Can I just say, I don't want to way... generalise, because it's only true for a, a subsection no. of that... Majority. group of people who think that way who identify that way i don't know what i said yeah no majority okay well then we'll have to disagree about that seven which is or eight out of ten people think that way <laughs> and because you've just say. done a survey a comprehensive okay. survey of a hundred thousand people you can say that when i say majority you have a good sample then, size what i mean is majority in terms of what we see like okay i don't know everyone in the world but I see a sample of every group via media or news. And the sample that I'm shown is, the, is that. 
seven or eight out of ten conservative people. Right, but the problem is you see the like clownish caricatures of conservative intellectuals that show up on Fox News. No, but I do also see people in real life. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I have met lots of people and people who fall on that side and fall on this side. I am also basing that on what people that I've actually met or interacted with myself. It's not just based on the people you see in the news. I do believe that. Just like I do also think a lot of people are shit. Like, a lot of people lie. both sides of the Yes, a lot of people lie. A lot of people have bad views in terms of, like, sexism and the way they see women. Um, You know, a lot of people are bullies. And that's not an exaggeration. That's the truth. And you might say that's like a pessimistic view, but it's not. That's my experience of the world yeah. via who I've met, who I've had experiences with, and who I see via what the you've media. you've seen from afar. Yeah, exactly. So that that's my world. That that's my world. Rational. Yeah, there might be people who've only like who have rarely experienced bad people, and the type of news that they let themselves see also rarely shows you bad people in terms of their belief and their views. So to them, it might be three out of ten people are shit. It might be three out of ten people don't want to, like, move or learn or go forward. But that's their world and this is my world. And that's what I know. I can't say what I don't know. All I can say is that I don't know. And in this case, I I believe I do know. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're a nice person... It doesn't matter. Show which me. camp you fall into show me i understand what light. you're saying in terms of that's just the product of your lived experiences that's what you've seen the problem is when you generalize like that and you apply that misanthropic principle to everyone preemptively before you've even let them show you their character you've let them show you their principles it creates this barrier where you're trying to have a dialogue with, say, a conservative person, and you go in with this very uncharitable interpretation of their motives and their personality and their psyche, where you say, you're just trying to keep things exactly the same, and you're scared of change, and you're scared of progress, and you're scared of integrating minorities and minority views into the larger society, the fabric, the tapestry of the world we're trying to create. If you go into the situation, the conversation that way, you're instantly putting them on the defensive. Whereas if you go in and just for the sake of argument, assume good faith, you assume that they are a person much like you who is trying to get at the best way for society to be. They're trying to get at the best ideas. And you say that to them. You say, I have this optimistic, charitable interpretation of your motives. And I want us to have a civil, respectful dialogue, even if that turns into a quote-unquote debate, then you are much more likely to get them to open up and to let down their guards and to not devolve into insult-slinging and just kind of emotive statements where it's saying, I feel this way and so you're stupid and whatever it is. I think if you want to have those kind of constructive conversations, if you want to progress in terms of bringing in opposing ideas into your worldview, into your mind. You have to have that very magnanimous approach of, I'm not going to prejudge this person. I'm not going to label them with all of these things. I'm not going to tell them that I've already decided that I can't interact with them because they have blah, blah, blah. 
that is the only way to move forward. That's the only way to pierce those echo chambers, to induce people to step outside of their comfort zone, in my opinion. Well, two things. Do tell. The beauty of language allowed me to tell you that I didn't say every person. <laughs> I said a lot. Here comes the stern And rebuke. I said seven or eight out of ten, which doesn't mean every which in turn means I don't go into situations thinking he's conservative, he's religious, he must be an asshole. No, I go in obviously thinking what I know, which is what they've said, they're conservative, they're religious. Straight away, by being conservative and by being religious means you are a certain type of person. Just like being a liberal person means you're a certain type of person. Whether you see that as good or bad is up to you. Second of all... I'm never ever going to go into a situation and be like, I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Just let me tell you right now, I think you're a dick and all your views <laughs> and all your views are stupid and I know you don't want to budge on anything, so what's the point of me being here? <laughs> That's not how I would ever go into a situation. Sure. I've told I you how that. I feel about things. If someone wants to have a conversation, this is what we were saying earlier, liberals or most liberals or a lot of liberals or liberals tend to more than conservatives be more movable right more meaning receptive. meaning you can i can have a conversation with you and my mind can change slightly on certain things because i've seen something from a different point of view you've opened me up to information i didn't know right and i'm saying that can happen with someone who is conservative and or religious, but I'm also saying that it's a lot likely. of times it's less likely because the conservative and or the highly religious person comes in thinking that they know everything and that they are not movable, right? So I can be movable, but if they're not movable then I'm not movable, and we all just stay the same, okay? But it's like and a self-fulfilling prophecy. Why don't you just go in with the assumption that they are movable until I they would. prove I do. to you that they aren't? Because while, are my views, while my views might seem pessimistic in terms of, like, a lot of people are shit, a lot of people don't want to move, a lot of people ignore real facts, real science, and they just believe bullshit, like... That might seem really pessimistic, but I don't think it is. I think it's realistic. Meaning, if you're a realistic person, you will go into it being like, no, I'm going to be real about this. I'm going to give... I think with reality becomes hope, right? Because I think you always got to go into it hoping that you're going to have a productive conversation, yeah. hoping that things are going to turn out right. Otherwise, so I'm what's always going to go into it thinking that... Even if I'm going to it with, like, you know, Osama Bin Laden. Like, you know what I mean? Well, like, I feel like as interlocutors go, maybe, he might be a very I'm talking pre-9-11, okay? And also pre-death, presumably, yeah. unless you're holding a seance. <laughs> you go into, like, that was a stupid example. I was just being silly. <laughs> but, like, I dropped my water now as well. Yeah, it's um, happening to us all. That was silly. But you know what I mean? I you mean just someone cute. who's, like... Extreme, extreme someone who's got extreme yeah. views you still hope that you can get them to open their like minds and heart and like have compassion and i think that's a lot why conservatives often get like a bad rep rightfully so because <laughs> no, i think a lot of conservative in. and all religious views 
lack compassion. You know, religious people who don't like gay people who are also kind of racist and sexist. They hate the sin, not the sin. It really you know. comes down to you not having compassion. Right. Because if, like, you know, the gay guy has had something bad happen to him and the straight guy has something bad happen to him and you can have compassion for the straight guy but you can't for the gay guy, that means you don't really have compassion. Right. Because compa- com- having real compassion... You have it across the board. I have compassion for conservatives. Something horrible happens or they're in a situation and they need help. Or I even have compassion on a level of like, I want you to open up to the possibility because it's fucking magical. And you're closing (laughs) yourself off to all these amazing things because you have all these stupid rules. Convert to the church of liberalism. The fucking ice caps are melting. Get Get on board. Get on board. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) You were so animated and passionate. I like what you said, though. I don't think we perfectly align, but I don't think what you're saying is wholly without merit, wholly unreasonable. What's sodium? (laughs) She says as she's reading the label on her bottled water, sodium is salt. Why is there salt in my fucking water? I think it's like naturally occurring minerals in like lake water or wherever it is they source that water. Like, if you're getting water from, like, a spring or whatever, it's not perfect H2O. So it's not sodium they've added. I sound really dumb, but this is the power of wanting to learn. Okay? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. No, I knew what sodium was, but, like, I didn't. I wanted to be clear. Like, I didn't, I was worried I didn't know what it meant in this context. I imagine it's a tiny amount. It's going to be like micrograms or milligrams or whatever it is. milligrams. Yeah, so it's like a tiny amount. I know, right? Just when you think, like, when you don't really use your brain and you just think, oh, water. Yeah. You want it to just be like pure water. Yeah. like Distilled, But instead it's got all this fucking water. shit in it. And it's like, you know, <laughs> this, I don't like this label. It think, it makes me think of like UKIP. It's got it's like a got British like flag a on weird, it. Union Jackie type style to it, and it's like it's very British brash water. and in your face. It's like was this not made? for outsiders. Yeah, prove that you're British to drink this water. Abbey Well, British spring water. Okay, so shall we progress on to the final topic? Yeah. of the day. I'm so full with water and so empty with food that I don't <laughs> like this feeling. To be honest, you're all slushy. Yeah. It's like you've got a little reservoir inside of yourself. That's too graphic. Is it really? I don't know. It took me to a strange place. Okay. That's the <laughs> that's the goal of this podcast. We're trying to shake you out of your... Yeah. Hit me. Comfortable. Hit me with your... Ne- What's the... For the love of God, you keep singing this episode by episode. What is it? Hit me with your next what? Shot. Hit, hit me with your best shot. I'd best shot. Oh, my God. Oh, my brain. You just... are the worst. What the water was supposed to help. <laughs> It hydrates your brain, but it doesn't stop you from being a loon, a silly person, a silly belly. Okay, so let's move on to something a little bit lighter, like oh, nuclear. Bombs. I feel like our light, even our light segments are not light. Well, this one is definitely not going to be. Um, so this I saw on a website for the Future of Life Institute. Sure, and that's going to make sense in a second why they would be covering this type of thing um the 
article is entitled Hawking's Higgs and over 3,000 other scientists support UN nuclear ban negotiations. And essentially, it's, like it said, thousands of scientists, including like a few dozen Nobel laureates, who have signed this open letter calling for complete and absolute and utter nuclear disarmament. They want like a total ban on nuclear weapons on the basis of no one should have the power to wipe out all life, all humanity, all civilization. Like that's just not something that anyone has the right or anybody or any state has the right to arrogate to themselves. And so I wanted to talk about that and just also how crazy, how surreal it is that there are weapons in people's possession right now which can end humanity itself that can essentially if not outright kill all seven billion humans kill most of them and then create the conditions to eventually pick off the rest of them just how crazy it is that we've made these machines these bombs these devices that have that incredible existential turn-off switch where we can completely just wipe us out completely just take us off the map of the universe destroy us utterly i'm sure you have to go through several levels of like um initiating the weapons but like can you imagine if you don't and you just have to press a few buttons like <laughs> you trip over presidents and, and prime button. ministers are usually old right. like or at least they are in a lot of places like what if they just go mad what if they have like a mini stroke and like their brain is like not well, together and they just like stumble into the fucking room and just press a few like do you know what i mean i'm yeah. assuming that's not the case but that's a very strange thing there to think is about. a small precedent in terms of i remember it was an open secret or not remember but i know it was kind of an open secret towards the end of ronald reagan's presidency that he was having some kind of mental deterioration some kind of dementia and mm. i think there are at least on paper in theory procedures in place where if a president or a leader cannot discharge their duties properly because they don't have mm. a clear-headed approach they don't have a healthy mind they can be removed from office but i don't think it has happened in recent memory i can't stop thinking about this so i'm going to bring it up before we get dive into this topic you said hawking's did I? And I feel like I read another article just yesterday where someone said Stephen Hawking's. Oh, yeah. It's I, like, that's not his fucking name. I and did. I feel like everyone does that. Yeah. Stephen Hawking sounds more right than Hawking, even though it's no, it wrong. No, it doesn't. It doesn't to me. It does to me. me. Stephen Hawking. They do it with Stephanie Meyer. I know I'm bringing up Twilight again. But <laughs> How so dare many you compare people, Stephen Hawking so to Stephanie people, Meyer? So many people, even in the fandom, call her Stephanie Meyers. And I'm like, what? No. Like, I don't understand. It's a real pet peeve. That's weird. I can't. Yeah. That's strange that I did that. I was reading it from a screen and I still. Shame on you. Yeah. Um, okay, so anyway. <clears throat> yeah, I <laughs> now don't. Now we've taken that moment to shame you for. <laughs> I don't think we should have nuclear weapons either because, I mean, okay. I imagine that, like, say if, like, China does something and and then, like, England and America or whatever are really 
like the UK and America and like all the allies are really decided. I don't know why I picked China. I feel very <laughs> upset that I did this. Okay, let's say that the UK did something shit. Oh, I love how you're and, like, I'll make it okay by making yeah, it. Yeah, let's say the, the UK target. did something and the rest of the world or America and their allies were like, they're seriously contemplating using the nukes, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that they're not going to want to wipe out the UK, as in, like, you can't even set foot on the land because it's completely so been destroyed. And also, you risk the the air being brought The nuclear to, fallout, yeah. like, drifting across Yeah, like, I can't imagine planet. that's ever going to happen. Therefore, you don't need nukes because if you need to just like stop a country from doing something, you can just bomb it with regular bombs. Like because then it's more it's more contained. You're not wiping out the whole of like the a country or a continent or whatever. You're just you're like I know that means I know that means well yeah they can come and bomb us like and nukes obviously stop them from doing that. But I can't imagine a whole like a country. Because countries don't do things, leaders do things. Yeah. So are you going to wipe out the whole of like the country or the continent because the leader and its party did something? That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And no one should have that power. That should never happen. And yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> it's stupid. It's really stupid. And the fact that like one, ultimately in a lot of places like America or whatever, one person being Trump yeah. has the power to be like, no, we're going to nuke China. He or can whatever. put his grubby little mitts on yeah. the nuclear football and order a strike. Fucking yeah. Jesus Christ. I understand that guttural emotional reaction because it's just, it. it's so bizarre that this is a thing and that no one is... Well, uh, seemingly not many people mm. are... Who has nukes? Everyone? Um, no, not everyone. Just the big guys? Like Trinidad and Tobago don't have yeah. a huge nuclear arsenal. But, you know, America, Russia, China, the Do UK, certain European countries. Yeah, of course. Like There's something like 15,000... At least this is how many we know about. There's something like 15,000 nuclear missiles or nuclear weapons in existence isn't there always like such and such is building more nukes like we need to like build more so that we've got more yeah it's always a war escalation in that type of situation and then of course you've got to try and stop these very unpredictable irrational bad Mm. faith actors like say north korea from getting a nuke because (laughs) You don't know whether they're going to play the rules of the game as you would normally expect. They might do something crazy. And obviously there are extreme cases, not that I'm saying dropping a nuke is an extreme, but this is a different kind of extreme. There are also cases where it might be like an island somewhere, not UK, but like a more kind of like solitary island. (laughs) The Sandwich Islands. Has like some kind of disease the only way to like and the only way to stop it from spreading is nuking it let me get through it the only way to stop it is like stop it spreading you know kind of like maybe like the zombie apocalypse right (laughs) that's the only way to stop it spreading is to just wipe out that entire island or that entire continent but like (laughs) just to be sure but again you're always going to have to worry about the atmosphere like the the wind bringing that deadly air to the next island or whatever 
which is what you were fearing in the first place right. with the fucking whatever it is that you're trying to get rid of. So that that was just another thing to think about, but obviously not really very likely. It's like, not that I think someone dropping a nuke on another country is likely, <laughs> but you really don't know. I yeah. mean, people things escalate so quickly. A country has only got to like go a step too far in obviously less than a nuke, but like do something really extreme that affects like the Western world yeah. or that affects Russia. And then like, you can be on the brink just of war like that happen in like two days. And then yeah. like, it's interesting as well hell. because most people don't know, especially if they're younger, our type of generation, they don't know how close the world came to actual nuclear Armageddon during say the Cuban missile crisis for example, there's a particular story about a, and it's been a while, so you'll have to bear with my imperfect recollection, but there was a Russian nuclear submarine that was surrounded by um, Western forces, and there were three officials on board, and two of them wanted to use their nuclear warheads, to use their nuclear torpedoes, and because they thought that they were so deep down, they couldn't contact their headquarters, their um, superiors back in Russia. And so they thought that war might have already broken out. And so therefore it would be justified to mm. use their nuclear armaments. And then there was one guy, one out of the three, and they had to agree unanimously, which is why it's important this one guy demurred. He said, no, we're going to wait. We're going to find out what's going on. And... And irritatingly enough, I can't remember his name. I want to say Vasily something. It's crazy that the world doesn't know this guy's name because he basically saved the world. But he said, no, let's wait. And then they did wait. And of course, they found out they weren't at war and they didn't use their nukes. But it just shows you that when tensions are high, you don't even need to be at war. You can have these mishaps, these misunderstandings where people get too trigger happy. People get too amped up they get too eager to try and like do the first strike and then disaster can strike and you only need to be wrong once to wipe out the entire Mm. human race when the stakes are that high it's just insane those two people could have just murdered that other guy (laughs) and then like that's what would happen in a movie he was a traitor yeah that's what would happen in a movie the two guys would then kill that other guy just so they could get their own way wow (laughs) No one person or even, like, group of three guys should be deciding this. Yeah. Like, it, if it was, like, a case of, like, the world wants to take it because of this one place's actions or what's happened in this one place, I feel like the rest of the world would have to come together in order to Talk do it, it out. Like, it have, yeah. That's better than someone just doing it. I still think that's bad because I still think this shouldn't even yeah. be an option. But obviously that it is it is an option because everyone fucking has to. You can't put the cat back in the bag. Yeah, exactly. No one's just going to, you know, they're not just going to destroy their nuclear weapons. And if it ever comes to a time where they do decide to destroy their nuclear weapons, someone... Would keep <coughs> one in Russia, reserve. <coughs> North Korea. They're going to keep theirs. They'll they're going to hide some. on hand. Like, where are they? What are they? <laughs> where are they keeping things like this? Like... <laughs> yeah it that's the that's the problem because total nuclear disarmament is 
innately a pipe dream even if it is something to be longed after even if it is something to advocate for because now that that technology is out there now that there are already missiles in existence pandora's box has already been opened and you can't cram everything back into it and try and padlock it should again like it's too late now so the only the best hope is really to try and get the nations that will respond to rational argument to reduce their nuclear stockpiles and to try and veer away from say a first strike nuclear policy and in that way to try and de-escalate things to try and make it so it's even more unlikely that we could end up at this end point with a nuclear confrontation that is really the best you can hope for right now which is very depressing in and of itself yeah makes me think when you were talking about you can't put the cat in the back what did you say (laughs) what's that really (laughs) well-known phrase that everyone knows you can't put the cat back in the bag yeah that's the one um this is a horrible saying Oh, that makes me think of another thing. When you find out that sayings come from really horrible things. Drowning cats in rivers. Yeah. In bags. Um, I imagine that's where that yeah. derives from. It made me think of like when people, you know, like activists, like trying, they want to baby, basically get rid of like all guns. That's yeah. never going to happen. And so then we talk about things like gun control, because at least that's... You can't uninvent something. Yeah, you can't, you know. And people who like, oh, the internet is just does more harm than good. Well, the internet's never going to go yeah, away. It's, here. it's just going to get better. Let's try and figure out uh, ways to minimise whatever harms. You're going to be able to put contact lenses in and access the internet via your eyes. Yeah. Like, it's never going to go away. Yeah. So, yeah, it just makes me think of that, how, like... That's why you have to be careful, like... Who, when when did we have the first do you know when we had the first yeah you're talking about like the manhattan project back in pre-world war Two kind of 1930s so it was the fucking americans 1940s. well it? of course the americans are the only i'm just kidding <laughs> nation who have actually used nuclear weapons on two occasions nagasaki and hiroshima and it's I crazy hiroshima 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 I don't. I like how you're calling me out, but you don't even know. Well, in my head, it was like that's wrong, and then when I said it out loud, you were like, "No, wait, no, I I want to take it back." I think it is Hiroshima. I don't think it matters. I've heard it said Hiroshima. Well, maybe Maybe it's Hiroshima. Maybe it's neither. Maybe maybe Uh, we're wrong on both counts. But it's just crazy that people forget that it was the kind of moral leader of the world, America, who. It was, once upon a time, them who used nuclear weapons in anger. And when you look at the particular circumstances of the dropping of both those bombs, they're very, very, very difficult to justify and a lot easier to condemn and say that these were borderline war Mm. crimes because at that point in the war, Germany had already surrendered. Hitler had already committed suicide. And it was just a case of... They wanted an unconditional surrender from the Japanese empire. And the Japanese were hesitant to give an unconditional surrender because, for example, I think it was something along the lines of they wanted to keep their emperor and stuff like that. Whereas the allies, the Americans, wanted a complete, total, unconditional surrender. And so they dropped these hugely destructive nuclear weapons 
on what were largely civilian populations in order to have this incredible shock and awe show of force and to kowtow the Japanese into surrendering totally, which is just, when you look at all the reasons you possibly could use a nuclear weapon, that seems like one of the ones that's the most difficult to justify. I feel like I know about this, like you know about things that happen, but like I don't know about it the way you know about it, so I'm kind of ignorant. Let me just state right now, my knowledge is very limited, I do not claim to have any expertise. Are those places now uninhabitable? I think there have been slow, gradual rehabilitation efforts, but I think they are still, to a certain extent, irradiated i think there are still birth defects happening in those areas it's not as bad as like chernobyl where if you go there and stay there for a couple of days you'll get cancer or whatever it is it's now become to a certain extent you can be there but like i said there are still kind of these long-lasting effects of like birth defects and Mm. people getting ill and whatever it is you can't use the soil and so fucking horrendous i mean when you learn some of the details of the Nagasaki and Hiroshima bombings, like they would fly aerial reconnaissance planes over those towns all the time to the point where the people there wouldn't run away when they saw planes anymore because they thought... And they did that on purpose? I think so, yeah, I want to say. That's remember correctly. And so then went... Because they didn't want people to run away because they wanted to see what the destructive power of these bombs were under normal perfect circumstances and so i mean it's one of those things where if the germans had done it in world war ii we would look at it as an atrocity mm. we would look at it because as the a war americans crime. did it yeah and that's the problem because the winners write the history books right and mm. you get the nuremberg trials that are just complete victors tribunals where for another example there would be they prosecuted these german officers for I think it was um, unconstrained submarine combat where they were not obeying any rules of how you're supposed to engage when you're in a submarine. And yet there were all these flagrant examples of allied commanders employing that same kind of unrestrained submarine combat. That's the problem. Once you get to that situation where it's the winners holding this kind of court you're always going to be inclined to look back on what you did as, oh, we only did it because it was completely necessary or we only did it because it was this incredibly extreme, unforeseen situation where we had to use this last resort. And so you give yourself that out. You give yourself that get out of jail free card where we had to do it because we were on the right side of history and we were fighting the good fight and we were fighting this evil foe. And that's why nuclear weapons are so dangerous because each nation thinks that they are the shining example mm. of moral behavior, of superior conduct. And they will always look at the prospect of them using nuclear weapons as potentially acceptable, potentially defensible. Do you think if there was a vote, like everybody voted whether the world should Like get the world of, over? Yeah, not just like the country. Because obviously... People's argument would always be then, yeah, but why should we get rid of ours if Russia's not getting rid of theirs? But if every nation voted, should everyone get rid of their nuclear weapons? 
do you think the majority of people would? I think if you educated people and... Yeah. I think you've only got to listen to something as simple as what we've said. Yeah. If you didn't already know how horrific it could be, like what it really does. Because I feel like some people are just like, yeah, drop the nukes. I'm like, do you know what it yeah. does? Like it wipes out the like the world. Do you know what it like, is for a human being to be yeah. liquefied? Yeah. Yeah. I, I Maybe if people really believed if it was really credible that all the nations involved would really get rid of their yeah. nuclear stockpiles, I think you could educate people enough that they would say, and of course this is just a utopian pipe dream because there's nothing like this will ever, ever happen. But in that dream situation, I think people would be wise enough to say, yeah, let's start over. But, you know. I hope so. It's it's too late now. Now you have to just... What I thought was interesting is this open letter, it's not very long, you can read it. It's a, a few paragraphs, if I remember correctly. It says, let's try and stigmatize nuclear weapons and even the holding of nuclear weapons in the same way as we stigmatize chemical weapons or biological weapons. When a nation has a huge stockpile of these horrible nerve toxins that are like the most nightmarish brutalizing weapons you could imagine people look at that as like that's kind of barbaric that's kind of savage like that's it's sadistic to even have these weapons at your disposal and i think that's a really interesting route for things to go down because if you could look at it in that same way and say it's an affront to morality to even hold these weapons in preparation you might start to get nations to think again about incre at least increasing their stockpiles but preferably you could get them to think about actually trying to have as few nuclear missiles as possible are there like known chemical weapons that countries have yeah of course there's like chemical weapons treaties but are we talking about like sarin gas and things like that yeah sure that's horrible vx and all those horrible nerve agents that when you read about how they kill people, it's just like the most. What's that? You know that really famous picture of that death possible. naked girl running that, in the street. Yeah, is that, that like? No, that was napalm. Uh, isn't that a chemical weapon? Um, that's a good question. I wonder if, because you think about it being used in a conventional way in like a flamethrower, but I wonder if yeah, I guess maybe that would qualify. I'm not sure. It's horrible. Yeah, like it, it's very. Yeah, I don't know. I know this is a depressing topic. What's going to make like you so scared and like what 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 thoughts? Yeah. What are you having in your mind that you're like, yeah, let's just like wipe people out who don't even like have any say. Like I said earlier, it's the leaders and the party that are like doing it, that making all the decisions. It's not the people making the decisions. Yeah. Like, if you're going to bomb something, just bomb, like, you know. Use drones and... Yeah. Bomb the fucking White... Not the White House, but the ver <laughs> their version of the White House. So like sure. this is going to get picked up. Bomb the White House. Right. That's going to get picked up somewhere. The Secret Service are knocking oh at the door. Hello? God. Hello? Samantha, we need to talk to you. <laughs> They're playing back you the snippet. Bomb yeah. the White House. But they I feel slow like... it down. Bomb the White House. <laughs> but I feel like, like maybe their worry then is that, like, okay, yeah, but we could take out the leader... But the next leader's going to be in charge of and the And they're going to want to retaliate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... But that, that's not a good enough reason to just yeah. wipe out, billion, like, millions of people. 
I mean, it would be billions if you, when you look at, like I said, there's something like fifteen thousand across the world. But if you look at a country, even using say a few dozen or a hundred nuclear weapons, if they use them strategically, you could basically wipe out all life on Earth. Yeah. I mean, you could cause an eons-long nuclear winter, which would essentially mean that the planet Earth would become inhospitable to life as we know it. America nukes the rest of the and world just, like, except itself. And just puts up a bubble around <laughs> it. Oh my gosh. Sure, that's like an idea for some crazy sci-fi movie. Yeah. The bubble. Under the dome. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. That's not about the same thing though. No, it's I guess not. it's the same idea. I don't even know what that's about. I have not read the book, but I watched some of the show and I didn't... No. Yeah, I didn't get to a point where things were explained. <laughs> I got the feeling that things would never be explained. The loss syndrome. Yeah, so... You'll never get to know what the numbers mean. I'm not that like, oh, I need to know, I need to know. But there are some things you need to know. Like, there is a fucking dome. And what the... You need Tell to me know, why it's there. You need to know some of For it. For the love of God. You know? I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Nukes. <laughs> <laughs> lol nuclear armageddon Nukes. yeah it's pretty it i mean to be in that situation where you think war has broken out and you say you're on a submarine and you have to be like if it say you're the captain mm. you're the one in charge you're where the book stops and you are standing in front of the button and you have to decide whether you are going to kill millions and millions of people in like the most ghastly mm. horrific way imaginable that's just it's so crazy to put that yeah. responsibility like what person are you if you are capable of even making yeah. that decision i guess there'd be that kind of like patriotic feeling of like i have to do this for my country yeah. like i have to Fuck respond in kind and that's where that type of thinking is like not necessarily a good way of thinking that kind of like I'll sacrifice myself for my country, but kill another yeah. country. Like, what? You're all the same, guys. Like, it's just like someone coming and killing your country. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's nationalism a is a disease of irrationality. Way of thinking. I think there are systems in place in some countries where it takes it out of the individual soldier's hands. I think. I want to say in the UK, I'm really dredging up some factoids here, <laughs> but I think it's kind of interesting the way, the different way that nations have approached this. In the UK, if I remember correctly, the Prime Minister writes in a sealed envelope what to do in the event of a nuclear attack, like whether you should respond or whether you should stand down or whatever it is they think that you should do. And then that envelope sealed envelope is held on the nuclear submarines so that even if they are submerged so deep that they can't contact the government anymore they can't get any guidance they can't get any orders they're supposed to unseal these envelopes and essentially be told what the approach is going to be you keep talking about submarines is that where they let set off the nukes no, there are Do like it have to be under the water for example with the uk there's the much publicized trident nuclear missile system where there are these nuclear submarines that i think would be the primary way that the uk would respond with nuclear force but 
when you've got a huge country like the US, they've got it's probably not underwater. They've got missile silos. They've got nuclear subs. Mm. They've got probably nuclear weapons on the back of trucks that can be launched, you know, in a mobile way. Just a widow country. <laughs> Don't attack us with your big, scary, nasty oh, no. nukes. No way. I wonder what the process is. Like the prime minister decides it's oh. Yeah, decides they want to drop the nukes, right? So what do they do? Like, they can't decide on their own, surely. I don't... Have they got to consult someone, like... I don't think so. I know in the US the chain of command ends with the chief executive, which is the president, which means that I'm pretty sure... I think maybe it's like a two-key system where he has to get him and the the head of the army they both have to turn keys oh, okay. to to launch or to open the buttons or something do you think like that. the queen has anything to do with it here? i fucking hope not jesus christ <laughs> no one above the age of 85 should be in a situation <laughs> of being able to launch nuclear weapons mm-hmm. um so yeah I'm not, i i know that the u.s president always has what's called the nuclear football with him which is this heavily armored laptop where he can from any location wherever he might be whether he's gone on a tour whatever it is if he needs to he can enter the codes into that and you know he has all the nuclear options available to him wherever he is so maybe that means he can do it unilaterally but yeah it is crazy to think that one guy could i mean he could be having an aneurysm he could be having a stroke he could be having some kind of brain meltdown and just god for whatever reason, choose to make this decision when he's not of his right mind. How and, dramatic is that? Yeah. Taking it everywhere you go. Like, I bet the UK don't do that. The Prime Minister doesn't fucking go around with the suitcase <laughs> and fucking buttons. I bet he's never even fucking seen it. Right. I say he, like, it's still David Cameron. Yeah. I refuse to acknowledge we that. We now anyway. have an unblinking authoritarian... Oh, fuck that shit. ...in Theresa May. Yeah. I am... Um, I think that might be a little bit optimistic on your part. I'm sure there is some kind of equivalent yeah. in the UK too. Yeah, but I can't imagine they go around. I do feel like that's a bit too dramatic. <laughs> I do it's honestly. It's very action movie. It's very American. Bring me the laptop. I know. Sir, the North Koreans have launched a missile. Although I bet someone like Trump, he was very much like, show me the show yeah. me the laptop. He's give like me the hovering nukes. his finger over the button. Uh, He's like, am I going to do it? He makes a little joke about pressing it. He's like, oh, I slipped. It. Oh, no. Uh, People like Ugh. people like sweating bullets around him as he's like, no, lift up the lid. I want to. I want to <laughs> do the joke properly. And they're like, sir, if you fall on that button, it, I mean, you will wipe out all life on earth. And he's like, he's like, don't be silly. I'm president now. He's like, bitch, Give me get the out of my way. Buttons. That was such an English way of saying it. Don't be silly. <laughs> Listen here, good chap. Expose the nuclear button to me. Jolly ho. <laughs> You mean tally-ho? Tally-ho. Tally-ho. Maybe. I'm not, <laughs> you know, well-versed in these ancient, antiquated ancient. Britishisms. Yeah. Ancient, well, like 200 years ago is basically ancient to us. Yeah, but I feel like because England, like, we're so old, ancient really isn't 200 yeah, that's years true. ago. It's really, really ancient long Ancient is ago. like... Londinium, like yeah, the Roman like origins of London. Ancient from for like Americans is a hundred years, years ago. ago, or whatever. Yeah, that's but true. ancient for us is not a hundred yeah. years ago because we're so old. Yeah, it's 
just little news, little news. <laughs> I was going to say newbies and I thought, no, I'm going to change it. I'm going to make my own little news. You're just going to make up your own yeah. words, like your Shakespeare. Or I could be Shakespeare. Some such ilk. Yeah. There's not really much else to say about this topic apart from as long as this principle of nuclear deterrence, this idea that mutually assured destruction, the prospect of that, will always ensure that, say, the Russians will never strike first. Because as soon as, say, the Americans find out that there are nuclear missiles from Russia in the air to, you know, plowing towards them mm. they're going to return fire and then it's just going to be you both get destroyed there's no victor you've both just destroyed each other there is that idea that that ensures that nuclear weapons will never be used because you can never prevail afterwards you're always going to go down with the ship but I, the, like i said earlier the problem is you get these very unpredictable um state actors like iran or north korea or pakistan or whatever it is where you can't count on them making these very reasoned very thought out very long established systems of how we go about this in the case of some kind of war breaking out how long does it take to get some missiles in the air yeah i imagine it can't be more than like 10 15 but minutes. once they're in the air how fast are they um, <clears throat> like say question. if it was like America to China I've got to imagine it's going to be there within like I don't know maybe like 30 40 minutes so they could if they found out that one had yeah. been launched they could launch one they in could return. shoot some back yeah that's, so that's... they could they could go up at the same time almost yeah and the problem is as far as I have ever seen you can't recall them once you lose this life on earth ending weapon you can't, you know, just destroy it in midair. Mm. You can't call it back to you. It's not like a trained yeah, attack it, dog. If you call it back, you'd have it'd have to land safely. Yeah, it would. You'd call it back, and it would hit you. Like, or the, you could land it in the ocean. I guess. I mean, maybe they can do that. Maybe they then, can. And then it would. Maybe there's some fail safe where if it hits water, it knows to not activate the warhead. Swing along those I lines. I think that's a <laughs> fucking wishful thinking <laughs> the designers are like no fuck it once it's in the air we're all mm. screwed forget about any I kind wonder of if once in, it's in the air can, you can change its coordinates uh, yeah maybe that's an interesting question because then that would be a way of like send it to the farthest the farthest no not the, the farthest how dare you no the farthest like the furthest place that's like got the least people you know like if it was a mistake yeah. or they changed their mind you'd send it to like somewhere that's not got people or that's not you know the australian i'm not good at geography so i can't name a place i was gonna say antarctica but i think if you hit don't we need those if you hit Antarctica with nukes and mounted all the yeah, ice. We, that's I'm pretty sure us. the ocean level would rise like yeah. 20 meters or something crazy and just drown us all. So that's probably drown the that's probably the most dangerous soft target on Earth. All those humongous glaciers. Speaking of the water rising, I don't think I could ever live like you know how people have, live in beach houses. Yeah, I don't think I could ever do that. I would be terrified. There's only got to be like a tidal wave, a bad storm, and you could fucking drown. Like, yeah. God, that fucking scene in Deep Impact. Right. You've seen Deep Impact, I right? I have not, no. Oh, everyone else has seen it, so it's fine. <laughs> 
it's basically one of those ones where they don't save the world. Like the ocean is going to come. And like, for this 20-year-old action film. Yeah. And the woman and I think her dad or something, there's like a scene at the end and they're standing. She lives at the beach. So they're like standing on the thing, watching the massive wave come in. And I'm like, I don't know that your mind would be able to really like you, you would like you would freak out like yeah. you would freak out to like the the what is it the tenth degree the ninth degree <laughs> that's so. a good question that are you do you mean to say the nth degree yeah maybe you'd freak out like max to the max <laughs> right <laughs> to the max yeah like so i don't know if you'd be able to stand there you think your brain your would instinct just might be like down. yeah 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 you like pass out or you would run even though you can't outrun it. It'd kind of be merciful to pass yeah. out in that situation, honestly. I think if something like that was happening, I would probably... Um, Shoot Rudy, spare him the agony. Yeah, uh, like I would probably like... I was going to say take something to put me to sleep, but surely the water would wake me up. And then I'd wake up mid-drown. I and think that would be very good. But like... The water would kill you more likely than wake you yeah. up to drown no you know what i mean but like it's like being maybe hit by like a concrete yeah sheet traveling at but like i think i probably would want to take something that knocks me out because yeah. you don't want that initial like, impact of like yeah. either being drowned or mangled not yeah yeah maimed like knocking you around yeah. like this is Snapping fucking horrific spine. to think about the i love how you this. got there from beachfront properties a, a <laughs> dicey proposition no that is I, no, true though there I, is a certain hubris involved uh, in being like the tide is never going to reclaim uh, this beach and we're going to be here forever it's like no dude eventually that I know. your little cute little hipster beach shack is going to get reclaimed by nature and the and ocean and you've seen like in california like that i'm sure there are other places as well but they have like the houses that are almost like on sticks yeah yeah and as so then, if the, as, the like, stilts will save us. I know. Oh, the, the, the equivalent to that in somewhere like the UK is, you know, where it's like people have their houses like on the, like close to the edge of a cliff. A cliff. Oh, and every God. year a little part of the edge of the cliff falls away. <laughs> and it's like in 10 years, your house is going to be sliding down that rock face. I went to um, Berwick, which is up by Scotland. And... um. They live not far from the sea. Yeah. And we went... Well, everyone in England lives... You know I mean, what I mean? The UK uh, they lives they were like a two-minute walk sea. from the sea. Oh, okay. So we walked along through the little town to the sea, but we didn't walk to the beach. We walked to the cliff. Right. And on these cliffs, it was exactly like you said, do you know what statics are? They're like caravans, but they're, but they're bigger and they're static. They don't have wheels. Oh, no, I haven't heard of this. Um, I guess maybe you'd call them trailers in America. Yeah. But they're better. They're better. They are like tiny houses. <laughs> they're here, so they're better. They're like twi- twi- twiny. It's not a grotty like trailer park. tiny little square houses with okay. like... I get the idea. Um, And it was just a sea of like statics yeah. like on this cliff. And I'm like, whoa. Like... Like close to the edge? Y- yeah, like close in as in like terms. thirty years. Yeah, that might that ledge might that be might gone. Erode like right yeah, up until your front door. It was really strange and like scary. Yeah. I wouldn't want to live like. Yeah, I don't like that idea. No, I don't like that idea. But isn't that the exact same thing as, you know, 
people in America who live on fault lines. And it's like, you're just waiting for the next big quake to happen because obviously when you live on a fault line... What's a fault line? It's like the tectonic plates underneath the surface of the earth. The fault line is like the crack so that like if two plates hit together, it will be where they are separated by a crack. So that's a, a fault line. That means there's more earthquakes there. It's more likely it happens more So regularly. what happens if there's an earthquake and you live on that? You have, you know... You risk... You better hope your house is earthquake-proof. I'll be honest, I don't really understand what you're saying, but... I'm just saying, if you... <laughs> if you live somewhere where earthquakes are more likely... Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just like, you're just waiting for, like, the next superquake to yeah. just completely destroy your life there, your... Yeah. Everything. I mean, everything. Yeah, because there are some places where the earthquakes are like really common, and when they happen, they do destroy loads of shit. And people choose to live there, or they still live there. I feel I don't know what that would feel like. I want to say a lot of people would be like, "Well, I don't want to live here," but obviously there are lots of places where that happens. Um, I know we don't get we get earthquakes, but they've they're they're very mild compared. I've only ever experienced one earthquake. I've never been it in an earthquake terrifying. in my adult life. But I'm pretty sure compared to other people's earthquakes, it was still like, I would probably be laughed at. Yeah. Like people who experience earthquakes like several yeah. times a year will probably just be like, don't worry, it's just a little one yeah. and they're standing like in the doorway or they would the like table sleep or whatever. through it. Yeah. Whereas I ran into my mum's room and I was like, mum, mum, what's happening? The world shaking. Like, I didn't even for a f- Did minute think earthquake. Gods? I don't know what I thought. I thought the world was ending. Like, sure, that's understandable. It was terrifying. That's probably what the cavemen thought. <laughs> that they'd yeah. done something to anger the gods the of gods. nature. Yeah. I feel like if you lived in that type of situation where you know there could be at any time around the corner like a mega quake that just levels your city... I guess to a certain point you just forget about it and become complacent. Yeah, you must do. But I feel like I would never be mm. able to breathe easy living there because you know that it's just, to a certain extent, is a matter of time. Every mm. day is a roll of the dice for you and your family and your That's possessions horrible. and your house. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, we ended that dark topic on a really... Yeah. Dark, non like note. I feel like I like even our light topics always go dark. Yeah, it's just the nature. This is the uh, going dark podcast. <laughs> There's no light at the end of this tunnel. <laughs> I don't know what voice that was. <laughs> it's a tunnel that only has an entrance, not an exit. Ugh, horrible! I can never go down into the ground. You know, like underground. Yeah. You used to go on the tube. No, in I mean London like, a, like a miner or something. When would you ever have to descend <laughs> into a mine shaft? I don't know. <laughs> and I was terrified of that. A lot of the time when I got on the tube, I would constantly have feelings of like, if something happened now, I'd be trapped in this tunnel. You'd be caved and then, in. Mm, I would have into that. And I said this to you. I don't know if I said this to you actually. Often. I would try to get on the end of the tube because <clears throat> I always thought to myself, if there was a terrorist who was going to come on with like a bag and a bomb, like, and they were going to blow it right. up, I would think, 
I mean, maybe not now after they hear this, but I would think they that hear this. <laughs> I would think I'll that call they you would listen to our yeah, podcast. I would think that they would try to get on somewhere in the middle so they could get the most people. Yeah, that makes sense. So I always got tried to get on at the end. <laughs> like obviously, there were a few times I didn't well, think weird. about it. Preventative yeah. measure. There are obviously a few times I didn't think about it, but I thought about it quite a lot. Well, you can't not live yeah. in central London. And so I always tried to get on at the end because I thought, you know, I might survive. I don't think you're going to survive if they blow up yeah, a large enough not, explosive device. I do think about what I would do. I think officially... What, what would you do? You'd crouch down and sob and hope that you no i mean like gonna die from smoke inhalation if we didn't like die instantly and then right. and then we you know would we try to get out like walk along the tracks would people yeah like i always you know when people say like the third rail like i feel like i need to what? know which you know how like on train tracks they say like the, the don't step on that one rail because it will be electrified oh i i've never i don't know looked this. up which one that is so if i ever yeah. had to walk along like you know, the tube tracks or like a train track. Like, I feel like I would be so afraid of mm. stepping on it and zapping myself to death. <laughs> should probably look that up at some point, honestly. <laughs> There's a lot of things I should look up. Yes, there are a lot of things. Isn't it crazy Information that is... people don't, like, how many people don't know CPR? And I it's don't like, know CPR. I, actually, I had to go through a CPR course. Do you remember it, though? I remember the basics of it. Do you it, know yeah. what position to put a person in when they're like on the ground? Do you know how to give compressions? Yeah. It was like a, a full whole, like the whole of the day they oh. spent training you. And then you had to show everything they had taught you on like one of those like realistic mm. dummies. Do you know how to give the Heimlich? Um, I think it's pretty much you just go behind someone wrap your like under the boobs if it's a woman i thought it was under the ribs like i think it's supposed under to be under the ribs or on the ribs i think it's under the ribs and you do it up to so do like an upward stomach? motion i think so i, I think that's please don't low. anyone listen to this advice go and look it up yourself because yeah. we do not know we, i feel like i would try anyway you'd have to try yeah, what like, you do not do yeah, it yeah, yeah. be like i let them choke to death and i don't know how i don't get it wrong yeah i've never actually taken a first aid course but i would try to do what you've seen like on tv like i would try to be pretty straightforward honestly yeah i would try to give you would see if the airways are blocked try to give mouth to mouth do compressions you're supposed to do them really hard as well i think a lot like i'm sure i remember reading that when people give first aid like that it's actually not because they're too scared of pressing hard. Because, well, yeah. I think you have it's to also... compress the chest itself. Yeah, I think you have to, like, really fucking do yeah. it. Like, it's likely you're going to break their ribs. In some places, there are actually, quote-unquote, good Samaritan laws, where if you save someone and but you break their ribs, they then can't, like, sue you in, like, a civil suit uh, for injuring them. You've got to be a fucking shitbag if you <laughs> sue someone. <laughs> some kind of con man. And then, I mean, maybe if you... Like, you survive and then, like, y- you broke something and it's, like, injured you for the rest of your life and you can't work or something. But then suing a person, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Yeah, you'd have to be pretty but you still, you've still got, to you've still that. got to be, like, a, a shitbag to do yeah. that because they saved your life. I think we've, we've gone yeah. into, like... We've reached the end of territory. our unspiraling, rambling 
Yeah. Shall we wrap up this? We should, I think. Podcast? We got through episode 13 without some kind of crazy calamity. Yeah. Well, don't speak too soon. An anvil just drops You're on me. You're fucking jinx us. A cartoon piano falls <laughs> from the skies and crushes me into a you pancake. You have little birdies swimming around your head. Yeah. There'll be like a huge like mountainous bump that comes up from my head. It's like dwabbing. Yeah. <laughs> Tweety birds just like flying uh-huh. into my ears. <sighs> okay, so let's read the things that we have to read in this situation. That no one listens to. <laughs> We're going to put like a secret code in yeah. there and like see if anyone listened. If you listen to five episodes, we give you like this five. Each time it's a word of a sentence. And if you send us the whole sentence, we give you like a special prize. It's always a cake. It's got to be a cake. Yeah. Okay, so we hope you enjoyed this episode, number 13. Unlucky for some. On April Fool's Day. Yeah, yeah. Please share it with anyone else who you think may like it. Even if they don't like podcasts, maybe we can convert (laughs) them. First, tell them to listen to Serial so that they can get hooked on the podcast format. (laughs) And then say... You like that really polished, well-made, clever podcast? <laughs> Can I interest you in these two crazy rambling Brits yeah. who just talk about nonsense for three hours? New episodes are released about two weeks or so after the last one. We're really trying to get it onto a you know, good, strict schedule of two weeks or less. That's kind of my goal moving forward, but... You never know how things are going to play out in terms of your schedule and how busy you are and random stuff that comes up. But yeah, that's that's what we're trying for right now. We'll we'll do our best. You can find the podcast on iTunes and basically everywhere else that you can find podcasts. We will be on there, I'm pretty sure. Or you can go to rtappodcast.com, which is A-R-T-A-T, our initials, podcast.com which currently redirects to our SoundCloud page. And in some distant, incredible, fantastical, utopian future, may even redirect to our website if we (laughs) get off our asses and make one. Um, You can send any feedback or comments or the schematics for nuclear weapons to rtappodcast at gmail.com. And I promise you that we will read your correspondence and begin a pen pal relationship with you where we share our hopes and dreams and our deepest fears and our secret experiences that we never told anyone else but oh god you sent me a letter and i have to respond i'm going i'm i think you're mad, I'm losing honestly. the will to be sane <laughs> okay and so finally please rate review and and don't you dare leave off this third part this is the crucial part subscribe on iTunes, which really helps podcasts. There's going to be some exciting stuff soon. There's going to be a new look for the podcast. Yeah. I don't want to say any more than that. I want it to be a nice surprise, but I think it's going to be pretty rad, to say the least. It's going to be cool. And we may even have our first guest sometime soon. We'll see how that works out. That will be interesting. It will especially be interesting to try and get three people covered by the two mics that we have. (laughs) That's going to be a fun technical hurdle for us to overcome. And so, yeah, we've reached the end. We've reached the end. The time is near. 
I feel like that is rooted in a real song. However, when I went to sing it, it disappeared <laughs> from my mind. And you were too timid to make up your own yeah. lyrics. You don't yeah. have that like I can't rhyme freestyle on command, ability. Okay? I try to, but it doesn't happen. You're very good at rhyming on command, I feel. Oh yeah, I used to be like freestyle rap champion what of New York two thousand eleven. What's my rap name? Um I don't know. What's a good rap name? I don't know. Ryan See, I'm not good at the... those types of things. Be like Ryan the Rapacious. Ryan mm. the Ravenous. Ryan the Ryan the Rambunctious. Ryan the No give it Aurora. Are you gonna roar? The Aurora Do you Borealis. Roar in your raps? Yeah. Every so often there's just an interlude where I let forth these animalistic growls to intimidate my rap opponent in this so-called battle what would my rap, rap name be samantha the salacious you can have like rap names that don't go as <laughs> as you know samantha the no why is it samantha the i don't know it i want it to be like a to title be... oh, okay you want it to be like a gritty urban street name that gets you cred and i want it to be like a cool literary title from like 200 years ago yeah that's the difference between you and me a rap name that's you like grew up on the mean streets song. and i grew up in the yeah. libraries of oxford <laughs> university yeah in your dreams <laughs> <laughs> you grew up in the streets next to me okay yeah. it was just a hop skip and a jump it was from my city to yours and they're pretty much the same thing with a different name which um, is Kind of like a lot of England, honestly. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, see you next time. We reward you for your patience with a new episode. Yay. So you can go through the same trial over again. <laughs>